Let's go. Okay, so you were saying um, you just got back from vacation. Did you guys go to vacation immediately after the World Championships? No. Uh, a, a week after, I think. Okay. Because yeah. yeah. we were, oh yeah, because you got COVID in, in South Africa. Yeah, man, <laughs> I did. <laughs> Dude, the you had like you, you in terms of like lead up to a world championships to defend your title you had the worst possible like everything was firing against you where it was like um on the personal side you were saying to injuries to okay you get there let's see what we got oh shit i got covid too like it was like you couldn't catch a break man it's like the powerlifting gods last year were like yeah you're the, cho you're the chosen one homie and then the powerlifting gods this time were like, no matter what you do, we're going to throw some shit at you. It can't be you this time, right? Yeah, that's it, you know. And honestly, it was hard to come to terms with it because I don't feel I had, like, a first shot at, like, competing and defending my title. But like you said, it is what it is. I think I did everything that I could. And at the end of the day, that's, that's all you can do as an athlete is just show up and give what you have to give. And... Yeah, like you said, a week out. Um, so on, on a dumb 210 kg squat, uh, I got a lumbago. So fortunately enough, I had my spotters with me. So they immediately, immediately catch the weight. So didn't have anything too crazy. But yeah, lumbago. Uh, I did like crazy things for the past, for the next three days. So I went to four different uh, PTEs, uh, Kairos and everything uh, that I know that are part of my like medical staff. Uh, I did hours of driving. Um, I had to take the, the train. In the train, I was doing rehab exercises. And so people were looking at me like I was some madman. But I, I was a madman, like for two hours straight in the train. I was doing like, you know, just crunching over, doing some uh, air uh, RDLs, uh, air squats in the train with a lot of people around. And people were like freaking out. Um, <laughs> No, I, was like, like, I think he's a terrorist and he's waving a signal to someone else down the train. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the signal for something. I know it. <laughs> it's crazy. And, but I was like, you know, I have two hours. I was like, every hour counts until worlds. So if I can benefit of those two hours of train and not just sit and do something uh, positive and being active with my recovery, then I'll do it. So yeah, I did everything. And then three days later from having a lumbago and so having uh, troubles to just bend over, pick put my socks on, in, on and everything. I went back to squatting 240 uh, and deadlifting to 60 to 65, I think. So, you know, I was, I was pretty, pretty stoked about it. I was like, you know, maybe I won't be able to squat what I thought I was uh, gonna, gonna squat, but I'll be close and maybe close will be enough. But then, like you said, I arrived, everything's great. I'm meeting everybody. So Taylor Atwood, Chance Mitchell, Gavin. So, you know, the squad having fun, we went to the restaurant. And then the next day I go to pick my stuff uh, in the um, hotel room of one of the coaches from Team France. I go back to my hotel room and I'm like, is it me or is it cold? And then 10 minutes later, I'm like shivering. Uh, so I went to the bed and yeah, from there that was pretty much it. So fever, vomiting, uh, like extreme muscle cramps, spasms during the whole night for like the two next nights but yeah at the end of the day um the morning off so you know honestly i had like three things that made me get up to compete although i knew that i wasn't near 100 
first it was like um my girlfriend she believed in me so much she was like you know that i'm i still think that you're gonna win this Holy and i was like shit. i was like you know, you're like baby you think i'm superman <laughs> yeah that's exactly it i was like and she was like if you don't think you can win this then just don't show up like why do you go there if you don't think you can win and she believed in me so much i was like you know what maybe I'll, I'll try to make the miracle happen i'll try to make it happen and so that was number one number two you know like i told you uh something happened with my dad uh during the my whole prep for worlds and so i got a message from my dad this same morning um you know telling me something like really emotional for me so i was like you know there's my dad also who who believes in me so i'm, I'm just gonna show up and finally uh like i received a shit ton of dms of people like from all over the world obviously but more so in France being like man we're rooting for you we we, we want to see you uh, compete we want to see you succeed and everything and I was like you know what you know maybe I could just stay in the hotel room and be like yeah COVID that's it uh, so back then I didn't know I have COVID I just wanted to throw that for the record I was sick but I didn't know I had COVID yeah. and I was like you know what fuck it I'm just gonna show up do what I can and we'll see where it gets us you know um well first off like it's uh it's it's like i was talking about this on the broadcast when it was happening for a guy like you like this is almost like when we go back to the podcast me and you had before the world championships and i was telling you about evander holyfield when he's the champ and some people were questioning is he the real champ are there other guys better than him and it wasn't until he defended and lost his title against riddick bow that people are like, holy shit, he emptied the tank. And every time the bell rang to start the next round, he answered the bell. And the commentators are like, it's okay if you don't answer the bell this time, man. You've gone through. And he answered the fucking bell anyways. Even long after, it was like, it's, it's, it's done, man. You've lost too many points. You're so far behind. There's no way you can win this. And he would answer the fucking bell like, no, but that's not how I lose my title. You guys, you guys question my heart but you're gonna see and um then after ironically after losing his title is when everybody's like that's a fucking champion for you and that's when um there's some similarities where the way you were talking leading into this being like i gotta prove to people you know they think i'm a paper champion a cheese champion he's like I'm, i gotta prove and then from your personal life which we'll keep like private but like you know you would mention with your family it's your father and like stress there which is you know, I've gone through some shit myself on that end and it's difficult, you know, like you can't, it's not something you just pretend isn't happening. It's, it's unavoidable to full on injury. Um, and I'm going to share the video, but I was waiting for this podcast to share it in the uh, promo for this episode, but the video is fucking, you actually have video of you getting injured, which is like, it was scary by the way, to landing and being like, okay, Maybe I am, maybe everything's going to work out. Maybe I'm the chosen one. Maybe, bam, you catch COVID. And the thing is, and what you realize is like, is everything stacked against me? Is it, the, the, it's not stacked against you. It's stacked up to fucking show everybody the heart you got. And it's not about winning and losing all the time, man. Like people get more, when you show up and there's no fucking way you can win right now, you're licked. It's already done. But you show up and fight anyways. That is courage, man. If like, there's Muhammad Ali said, you don't know the courage you have until you took a loss. 
Because only in a loss have you emptied your fucking tank and did everything you can. It still wasn't enough and you keep going anyways. But if you win, there was always that chance. Let's see what happens when for all indications, there's no chance, man. It's over, man. Pack it up. And you fight anyways. The, only then will you see how, how, do you, how do you react then? How are you? Are you good now? Let's see your heart now. And dog, when you hit the platform on your third squat and emptied the tank for that grinder, and I was like, this shouldn't happen. Like that, you shouldn't, this shouldn't be, you shouldn't have the gas for this. It was crazy. And I was like the king of the grind and on the co commentary, I'm like, I don't understand. And you swung by um, the commentary booth after the squat session. And you came by the commentary booth. Cause I think, I don't know, tell me if you heard me when I was like the king of the grind. And you were like, threw your hands up just like you did in Sweden. And you swung by and gave me a, a fist pound. And you were like, I forget what you said, something like, when you think about that, man, like, well, you, this is how, this is how we do this. This is how, you know, if you want my title, it's going to be a scrap. Yeah. You know, I, I raised my hands this time, not for the same reason as the previous one. It was just to thank the crowd because uh, there, in the crowd, there was like team friends, like Tiffany here with us, uh, my girlfriend, uh, Julien, the, the, uh, Tiffany's boyfriend. Uh, we had like uh, Leah, we had, we had the whole crew and, you know, I didn't hear what you were saying because I think like the commentary booth was far further away and obviously you weren't screaming in the mic for sure, but they were screaming and I was hearing everything they were saying. And it's actually the first time that this happened to me. Before that, you know, when, when you get onto the bar, like you grab the bar and everything, you're in your zone and you don't hear anything. But then this time, I don't know why, but I was hearing everything like really crystal clear and I heard everything they said. And, you know, I raised my hands because, um, so I took 220 in the warm-up room uh, for my last warm-up, and it was a four to five seconds grind. 220. <laughs> I and seen. It was, I, I seen. It was, I turned holy shit, that's head, a third attempt, man. Yeah, that's it, you know. <laughs> I turned to the head coach. I was like, uh, yeah, okay, don't worry. It's, it's going to turn fine. And he's, he's like, uh, should we lower the, the opener, like maybe 220 to 25 and, and see what, what goes from here? And I was like, you know, man, if I lower it to 220, like, I, I, I'm out of this. Like I, I, I won't even top five with this kind of opener. So you know, fuck it. Let, let's keep it to two thirty-five, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but you know, then from that two twenty, I knew that I was in for a rough day, and I was like, you know, it's either I'm going to suffer through this, or I'm gonna accept the fact that I'm I'm gonna be in pain. I'm gonna be in in a tough spot but I will always come up on top. And, the you know, honestly, I'm extremely proud of myself for squatting this squat, not for the weight because I was aiming for more. But, you know, when you take 220 and it's five seconds grind and then you're able to squat 250 on the world stage and it's like obviously a little harder than 220, but not so much for 30 kilos more. I was like, you know what? I think that today... So at that time, I didn't think I was losing. Everything was still possible at that time, given like what I was going to bench or deadlift. I, I didn't know like what, where my strength was on the other lifts. So, you know, I wasn't like, you know, but at the end of the day, when, when this was all said and done, I was like, you know what? Today I lost, but I think today I, I, I grew a lot as, a, as an athlete and as a person, because I, I think this was probably the more adversity I had to overcome in a, in a meet 
like the roughest days, uh, two for th two to three days in prior, I was always having like negative thoughts about my performance because I was sick and everything with the lumbago was like, there is no way I'm gonna squat to 60, whatever, uh, whatever I need to win or even podium. And just the fact that I showed up, I gave it everything I had and, you know, until the end. And on every lift I went to lift, I was like, there's no way I'm missing it. Like I need this lift. I need this lift in order to, to still re remain relevant in the comp and to be able to podium and everything. So, you know, it, it's this opposite side of things where logically there was no way I was winning, but emotionally I was like, I'm going to win this. And, you know, <laughs> that's it. That's it. I think I took the L on that one, but um, I think this will lead me further uh, down the line. Man, when people talk about like sports, um, they say like, look, what's the worst that can happen? Like, it's just powerlifting. Don't get so into it. That Like real life will show, life will give you real adversity where you're really like, holy shit. But that happened to you. Like even real life shit was going on. Scary stuff where you're like, yeah, dog. <laughs> I couldn't turn without like, it was all coming. Like it was tough. I remember watching the, the videos before I got to South Africa. I seen you, Tiff, Leah, you guys were all like, like working out together, like in South Africa. And I'm like, um, oh, fuck it. The fam's there. Like, I can't wait to get there. And I'm all like excited. And um, when I landed in South Africa, seeing Tiff, seeing Leah, seeing like, you know, Gavin, Delaney, Taylor, whatever, seeing everybody in, like, I was there like a few days ahead of time. And I'm like, where the fuck is Panna? Like you were like, you were nowhere. Usually we're always, everyone's all hanging out the entire time. You yeah, look sure. at like the pictures I have. Usually I got tons of pictures of like all of us together, right? And um, for like, you even miss Tiff's session. And I want to yeah. talk about Tiff's session too, but um, in her showdown, but you, you like, you were gone for like huge chunks, like all the way up. Basically you were gone right up until you competed. Like you were, yeah. you were nowhere. Everybody was always at the venue because that's what things were happening. Or they were out and about at the hotel afterwards and we're all hanging out or whatever. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, how, what is going on with Peta? And um, I think it might've been Tiff who told me, he's sick, man, he got sick and he's like, and I'm like, how bad is it? And then when she was competing and you weren't there, I was like, oh no, this is probably real bad. And um, you know, you're hoping for the best, but you're like, when you show, so when it, the day came, everybody's wondering what's going to happen. When the day came and you showed up and you like have a brave face, I'm like, how the fuck is this dude here? You know, like, this is crazy. And then when you were like, going to come out for your first squat and I seen the weight, I'm like, man, I don't know. This is pretty nuts. And you just kept grinding and grinding. I'm so like, this is, if ever someone's going to bomb out, it's a situation like that where they have more heart than their body can take. Their heart is stronger than their body. So they load up because like, fuck it, I'm going out on my shield. We're not here to be come in 10th. You know, we're, we're going. And that's when people bomb out because they load up the weight to stay in the race, to stay in the pocket. And, um, and the body's like, no. So then they, they can't hit a lift. That's what the, that's how like dire the situation could have been, usually would have been. And then uh, we seen what, what we saw and it was, it was crazy, man. Yeah, obviously had to do some adjustments because like those open lifts uh, were supposed to be like 
um, I load like the lowest that I think I can hit. And based on how my warm up will go, we'll adjust and maybe move up. And this didn't happen on any lift. Like every last warm up I took was harder than a second attempt on the platform. So I was like, you know, let's let's keep the opener there and we'll see how it goes. So yeah, you know, I, I, I showed up. I was like, you know, maybe something will happen. And it didn't, uh, it definitely didn't. But honestly, I'm glad I did because um, I wasn't able to compete at French nationals because I uh, got injured somewhere else, like on my clavicle on the bench. Uh, and like, I, I didn't compete, but that I was gonna do like a 600 total, it's that I wasn't able to do a total because I wasn't able to just lower uh, an empty barbell on my bench, on my chest. So um, I was like, here, I'm on the biggest biggest stage. Uh, I came here to do something. I came here, for, came here for a reason. I have a title to defend. And although I'm sick, although I don't feel fine, like my, leg, my legs were shaking just by walking uh, the morning of the competition, I was like, I'm still, I can squat, I can bench, I can deadlift, so I'm just going to show up and do what I can. And, you know, like I told you, um, the, the year before, uh, the powerlifting gods were with me. This year, I think I had to, I had to take the hit. But you know what? Uh, like, this doesn't matter. I think, um, in a way, I'm a diehard. Like, I didn't had anything handy to me ever uh, in my life, whether it be powerlifting or something else. I always had to work extremely hard to get things. And in this way, you know, I'm I'm so happy and so pumped for Chance's Mitchell uh, win because I think he's that guy too, you know, where he took L after L after L and then finally ended up on on top. And I think in the way I'm like this, like this underdog or this this dog, you know, that's that's biting everything always, all the time, always having tough tough situations. And I'm okay with that, you know. Uh, I think I'm never going to be the Taylor Wright with a powerlifting where I can hit uh, a monster squat and have a big smile on my face and, and look cool, you know what I mean? When I smile, when I'm squatting big weights, I look like a completely, like 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 the Joker, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, whereas when he does that, he looks like a guy from a, a commercial for shampoo or something else. And I'm, you know, I know that I'm not that guy and I'm okay with that. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to remain the, the barky dude and... The grind dude and that's that's fine by me I, I know my time will come again and i'll work hard for that we talked about that in the last podcast where um yeah everyone wants to be that but you not everyone can be the same in like there's a place for everybody in a role like you don't real i'm sure taylor atwood fucking sees you and he's like i want to be known as the scrappy fucking grind king who like they make the movie about that underdog the sports underdog and like everybody wants something that they don't have to an extent. Yeah, it's not sure. like he's going to give up whatever, but like, for instance, when you said like, man, last time the powerlifting gods were with me, maybe, maybe this time they weren't, I think they were dog. I don't think like, I don't know if you, it hasn't fully sunk in, but when people see this kind of shit, only then is it some heroic stuff where it's like everybody in life is going to be in situations where everyone could put their hand on their shoulder and be like, it's okay. If you give up, we would understand. It's okay if you fall to pieces right now, because most people would. It, just not even in sports, period. And that's why people get an emotional attachment to sports, because it's like a, a little mini story of life involved in it, where everyone can, can appreciate, like, this is happening in his personal life. This is happening to him physically. This is 
all of these things. This is the pressure mounting with all of these different contenders coming up and people relate in certain ways. And then when, when it would be totally normal and fine, if, if someone's like, man, you could just pull out right now and nobody would say a fucking thing. You know, you could have pulled out a long time ago. If I'm honest, nobody would have said a thing. And you're like, yeah, but that's not how I'm going to lose my title. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I don't stay in my hotel room. I show up and, and then we're going to, we're going to settle it on the platform. Yeah. Dude, that is your story, man. The powerlifting God set you up for a fucking, this is how it happens. They, they set you up for that. This is, they're still in your favor. And you're the guy who has to come back. You're yeah. not the guy who has the five-year reign of undefeated. You're the guy who comes back. I told you how the event of Holyfield story happened. Doggy, what happens in the rematch? You know what I'm saying? Repeat yeah. or revenge. This is you, man. Like, Vander Holyfield wasn't Mike Tyson, Mike, but Vander Holyfield was a Vander Holyfield, right? Everybody's got their own story. And um, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's crazy. That's why people love sports. And they're like, who cares? It's just sports. Nah, man. But you see, like, these are like parallels to life, right? Especially yeah, sure. when real life stuff kicks in. Yeah, for sure. I 100% agree. And, you know, like I told you, I think that um, from a sports performance only perspective, I'm disappointed in the results. Uh, but from like me as an athlete or as a person, I am extremely happy about what I what I went through because I don't think I'm ever, gonna, hopefully not, but I don't think I'm ever going to go through something that difficult. Uh, like, you know, everything that was going on in my life, plus like COVID plus the injuries and everything. I don't think I'm ever going to go through something that difficult before I meet again. And having to leave that, that thing, that whole experience, I think like made me a better athlete because I know that I have, I, obviously I always knew I had heart, but on, I don't know that, I didn't know that I had this much heart to give and that I was like, you know, I honestly don't care what I'm going to squat. I'm just going to squat to death pretty much, you know. Uh, I'm going to sink the weight and if I don't come back up, I don't come back up. But that's sure that I'm going to give my like life energy into it and I'm not going to give up. And I think this helped me a lot and I don't think I'm ever going to um, see a squat again the same way because of that squat that I did. Th this was completely different. You know, it, for me, this wasn't a squat. This was me expressing myself. You know what I mean? So I was more so about, I need, I knew I was going to make the lift, although I didn't have any logical reason to, because I was like, this is who I am. This is me. And I'm going to express myself right now. And to everybody that's cheering me on. And I knew that uh, because uh, my girlfriend, uh, my fiance Anissa told me that my family had gathered to actually watch me compete on, on the TV. And you know, my dad was there and, and everything. This gave me so much energy, man. This was crazy because it's, I was imagining them watching the TV and cheering me on. And I was like, you know what? I, I can't disappoint them. Like I have to show up, I have to, I have to just do the damn lift. and. Hope, yeah, I, I was able to do it on squats. Uh, unfortunately, not on bench and deadlift, but you know, there there would be another day, that's for sure. Well, I want to. Um, so we're gonna get into like the rest of the week, obviously. Um, the Leah Babel weight cut afterwards, us hanging out and everything, and uh, and also talk about like you, your competitors. Obviously, you and George Jordan lead into it. 
how did you had your thing and like what ended up happening with all of that and then his post afterwards where he talks about it and addresses a lot of things and like we'll get into that in a sec i want to we'll, you know we'll, we'll kind of timeline it we'll talk about tiff though as well but i just want to say um before we talk about tiff and in uh her showdown i do want to say like I can only imagine if I was your dad watching, seeing that, because I was like blown away with the heart you were showing and whatnot. And um, I can't fucking imagine everything that would have been going on with him personally. And then having a son who knows everything that, and like everything that would be going on with the family, knowing he's a world champion. And this is like highlight to going on Eurosport. Millions of people watch this, huh? It's big. And, um, and then knowing, fuck, all this is going on in the personal life, then the injury, then all of this, and then seeing your son on there, scrapping it out for those, those attempts, like he, like you were, um, it's crazy, man. I can't imagine in the commentary, I was like, not shy about saying like, look at, he was sick earlier. This happened, that happened. Like I could, it would be, it would have been, been the craziest moment to be watching that. Um, I can only you know, I can't imagine, man. I can't. I don't know what he must have been thinking and feeling at the time, but that's when you really find out, you know, in terms yeah. of all the support and whatnot. Yeah, it's yeah, like I told you, it's crazy. And you know, when I when I came back home, like um obviously he has he has uh difficulty speaking right now. So, you know, it, it wasn't about like having a, a long speech, but it was more so like he gave me a hug and I was like. I felt all of the emotions and I gave also those emotions back. So yeah, this was, yeah, this was pretty emotional for me to be honest. I bet, man. I yeah. bet at some point, at some point in your life, when all the sudden done, you got to tell the whole story and, yeah. um, and, but it'll be all of it though. It'll be like the comeback, the ups, down, the whole night. Cause you got a lot more to go, right? You got more to go. Yeah, um, man, that's for sure. So, so let's talk about turbo Tiff coming into this world championships. Uh, <laughs> heavily hyped previously heather connor had won the world title obviously had won it several times broken world records on team usa and um and that became a rivalry france versus usa became a rivalry in the women's division and turbo tiff comes last year to sweden wins the world title and and with the biggest total we had seen in years to win the world title and obviously some people were like well but she didn't beat heather connor and Heather Connor hasn't lost yet. So it sets up world champion, world champion. Can only be one. And they're going to clash and they're going to sort it out on the platform. Um, so Tiff, when this was happening, before the competition and everything, leading into it, did you feel pressure? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Like, yes, let's sort this out. What were your thoughts leading into this? Uh euh, du coup, Pana, on fait comme la dernière fois. Comme tu veux, si tu te sens à l'aise, vas-y. Si tu veux que je traduis, je te traduis. Ouais, tu vas traduire pour le moment. <rire> euh, du coup, avant la compétition, euh, j'étais quand même euh, nerveuse, oui. Mais j'avais qu'une hâte, c'était euh, d'y aller, d'y être et de rencontrer euh, Heather et de de faire le match en fait que tout le monde attendait et que moi j'attendais aussi depuis euh, plus d'un an et demi donc euh, donc voilà j'avais en fait j'étais nerveuse oui à l'idée euh, de 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 la rencontrer et de 
de faire, euh, de faire le job que je devais faire, mais euh, j'avais qu'une hâte, en fait, c'était d'y être. Donc, euh, donc, au final, ça passait au-dessus. Okay. So, yeah, she was, she was kind of nervous because, uh, like you said, uh, this was a highly anticipated show, showdown. And uh, Tiffany knows uh, Heather's uh, quality as an athlete, for sure. And so she was kind of nervous to be against that kind of athlete. But on the same side, because she comes, you know, from that boxing background, she she has this will to like be, let's settle this, you know, like, mm -hmm. like you said, there can only be one and I want to be that one. So, yeah, she had this this feeling and this will also um, to actually know the results. And uh, she said that this feeling like we have to settle this and I want to know who will win. Um, this feeling was above the feeling of like nervousness and everything. And she, she also wanted to give a show to people that were expecting this showdown and this like, oh, Team France versus Team USA, uh, Tiffany versus Heather, like the, the quote unquote new one versus, versus the goat of the weight class. And uh, yeah, she, she said that this feeling of we have to settle this was above everything else. And um, and all, like, try to answer this yourself, Tiff, because I know your English isn't great, but see if you can, because I want to see, because we talk sometimes. So I know you got some English in you. You're just shy. But um, was the rivalry between USA and France, did you feel that? Did you feel like, because you're, you're competing also for France, not just yourself. Like France is behind you. You know, you had support from France. Does that give extra pressure um, when you're competing for France as opposed to, you know, when you're in French nationals, it's just you. You're just competing for yourself. But when you're at the world championships, you got France across the chest. The French flag is on your singlet. It's a little different and you're going against the U.S. You know, did you feel that? Was it, did it make it more important? Um... Ça m'a plus donné de la force qu'autre chose. <rire> euh, J'ai reçu énormément de messages de personnes, euh, bah, de Français en fait, qui me soutiennent et qui, tenaient toute, euh, qui soutenaient euh, toute l'équipe euh, française. Et en fait, en réalité, ça donne vraiment plus de force qu'autre qu chose parce que je, me, je représente en fait le pays et je représente aussi euh, tous les athlètes français et toutes les personnes euh, personnes qui regardent, etc. Donc, en réalité, euh, bah, ça donne de la force et tu n'as pas envie de décevoir et tu es là, pour, euh, es là pour, euh, pour montrer un petit peu que la, force, euh, que la France, c'est un, un pays qui, qui est fort et qui est, qui est là, qui est présent et qui se soutient, en fait. Alors <rire> Oh non, il passe Uh oh, Tiff, you might have to say it in English if you can. Because <laughs> I, <can. laughs> yeah, I know you can. He's pausing. We might have to talk in English now. Oh, man. I, you know what? I think he did this on purpose, Tiff. <laughs> I think he's, I think he's yeah, pausing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure now. <laughs> he's back he's back <laughs> no well, i know i know france is um french people uh, are 
<laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, keep going, Tiff. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, you're keep good. Going, you can going. speak English. French people are behind me, and I feel it when I compete because I receive a lot of message, and uh, I'm I'm um, comment dit. Je, com comment Pana, tu dis que tu ressentais toute la force qu'il y avait? She was, she was spinning off of that energy and those messages that she was getting. Yeah, I bet. I mean, you probably got, you know, Pena showed me um, the messages that he got. And he was like, take a look at my DMs, man. And it, it is, I'm Russell or he was on the podcast. And I was like, um, I was telling him about Pena's social media, Pena's YouTube, Pena's Instagram. And he's like, how big, how big is it? Because when you're, when you're not in France, you don't know, like, like, I'm like, dog, it's a big, like the mark, the market in France is big, not just for powerlifting, but fitness in general, people who work yeah. out in general and, and Penny, you were telling me of some like fitness, like social media influencers that are hopping on board with this. And he's like, really? And I'm like, Russ, Penny was showing me like inside screens, YouTube, like how many views and like, um, Instagram, how many messages they're getting. And like the French are, it's blowing up over the man, straight up French content, you know, like, like just speaking French, not even with not even English content, it's blowing up, let alone when they do English content as well. It's, it's, uh, people don't necessarily know, you know, wh why do you, why do you guys think it is that like so many people are hopping on board with this in France. This is relatively new, right? Yeah. yeah. I would say I have good examples. You're like, yeah, why not me? Like, you know, you, you see all those soccer players, you see all those basketball players, you see all those whatever. And you're like, when you have so much variety, I think you, you touch everybody. Like for instance, uh, people assume that uh, powerlifting is a sport that make women look like dudes. You know what I mean? Like big muscles and everything, like really, really squarey jaw and everything. And when you look at Tiff, when you look at Leah, when you look at other really high, high competitive powerlifters in France, females, you're like, oh, but they look extremely feminine. Like uh, they don't have big muscles everywhere. They have like, they look great. You know what I mean? And I think the, the beauty of it is not that you only have those examples. You actually have everything. You have, like in France, we have Tiff, who's like this cute little 47 kg uh, woman. And then you have Amelie, who's that 150 kg woman, woman who's like extremely, uh, you know, um, uh, I don't want to say scary because she's really, really nice and really cute. But what I mean by that is you have all those extremes. Right. And when you have those different examples you're like yeah if they do it why can't i you know and what i think also is happening is people that already have like communities on social medias are um interesting themselves way much more in powerlifting because it's getting trendy and obviously whenever you do like a, a collab or something with those big youtubers or instagram influencers tiktokers whatever Obviously, this gets people more into the sport and they're like, oh, but I'm going into the gym. I, I don't know, like, the purpose of what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing, like, bicep curls or uh, hamstrings or whatever. And I like to squat. I like to bench. I like to deadlift. Oh, that's a sport. Great. Then this became 
my sport. I'm now a powerlifter. And I think that's why it's it's catching in France. It's because I think the, the entry barrier of powerlifting is extremely low. You don't have mm. to be extremely fit. You don't have to be extremely mobile. You don't have to be extremely whatever. You just can join the sport Monday and become a powerlifter on Tuesday. And I think that's what's happening in France right now. Like the variety of the athletes that we have from tall to big to mus to muscly to uh, a little chubby to heavyweight to lightweight to whatever and plus the the help of of uh, other like influencers i think that's what getting us there you know powerlifting is like we take everybody it doesn't yeah. matter it's not like like certain sports basketball you gotta be a certain way for basketball football there's different positions that are different size guys but like they're all pretty jacked and athletic and whatever. Right. Whereas like Tiff, when you, you were saying when you guys first met at a seminar, Tiff was so small that in boxing, they couldn't find her an opponent. They were like, we can't find you an opponent for boxing. And she's like, fuck me. You telling me I'm too small in powerlifting. You, we got to spot. You're going to be a superstar. You know what I mean? Like you're not too small. There's no, like all the way to the other end of the spectrum um, where you could be as big as you want, mass moves, mass, let's go. Where some people be like, I've been told my whole life, like Emily Mergier might be like, I've been told I'm not athletic. Yeah, I'm exactly. Not, yeah. I, I can't be this. I can't be that. I don't fit into this mold. Powerlifting, yes, you can. Powerlifting, yeah. she's smashing on her bench press, world record bench. It's yeah. insane what she's doing. You know, and again, she could be, a, we have a spot for you. You know what I mean? You're on a national team representing our country at the world championships and from tiff to emily everybody in between you know what i mean like everybody That's in between's it. got a spot so yeah like it is you and and you're 100 right when people go to the gym um when you go to the gym just to work out it's fun but when you go to the gym and you got like a purpose all of a sudden you're like no but i'm chasing these numbers like i'm not just working out yeah. to work out now yeah. i have like i have like a bit of a mission how do I get better at this? Like, how do I achieve better at my mission? I'm going to get a coach, not just a personal trainer. Oh, we, me and my coach have a mission now. And then all of a sudden you start getting good and you're like, holy shit, I got other people that I'm chasing or they're chasing me. And, and, and the thing with um, Tiff, and I wanted to get uh, Tiff, you got like to the top so big, so quick. Like when you started, like within a year you're at the world championships for Sweden and you're winning the world championships. And it's like, Holy shit. That was fast. You know, that was like, you went from just, let me try this out to a world champion. And then the year after that, you're in a major showdown with Heather Connor and you're the best lifter at the world championships. And it's like, damn, this is coming quick. Like, um, does it feel fast to you? Do you like when people are people in France reaching out to you being like, I look up to you. I, you're an inspiration for me. And you're like, man, two years ago, I didn't even know what powerlifting was. Like I was just like trying, I thought I was going to be a boxer. And now this is crazy. I'm the best lifter at, at a world championships. Yeah. Um, I never think about that. Uh, when I when I start uh, powerlifting, I do the sport for me and uh, and not for for this. I I don't think I'm 
I'm going to the best lifter. Uh, I don't think I'm doing uh, the two world champion. And finally, this happening. So I think it's. Um, Panache va avoir besoin de ton aide. <laughs> Euh, comment tu dis que tu penses qu'au final euh, ça, ça peut arriver à tout le monde mm -hmm. So she said that the fact that this happened to her without any reason quote unquote this quickly makes her say and reassure people that because this happened to her this could happen to pretty much anybody It's um and by the way Tiff I love that you're You're, you're popping in the English in there. It matters. I appreciate it. Honestly, it's brave, man. This is what people don't understand, too. Um, when English isn't your first language, and you could talk to people at the event, but when you come on a podcast and you're like, all right, let, let, me, let me give this a go. It, you know, it's tough, man, because most of us who speak English don't know two different languages. And you're doing good, and I appreciate it. Um, it definitely helps with the flow of, of the conversation. But yeah, so... 100% I get it. We're like you, I, I can't imagine how difficult it would have been to with this early on being a major showdown with someone like Heather Connor going to the world championships and then the pressure. It just so happens you're on team France and the major rivalry is also a team USA. So when you and Heather battle it out, it's you and Heather, but then you're both your national teams are like rivals in women's powerlifting as well. And it just so happens that way. She could have been from any nation. You could have been from any nation, but you're on rival nations that like as the bigger picture too. So it made it really good. Um, going into the world championships and, and Penna, maybe you could also speak to this. What was your guys? Were you confident? Were you thinking we should have this? Because there's, it's a little bit new with the type of travel you would face. Um, I think you were, you're now cutting weight. I think previously you weren't cutting weight. You have to cut a little bit of weight. Um, so what was your guys' confidence in terms of that? Je pense que là, je vais pas pouvoir parler anglais. Vas-y, vas-y, dis-moi. En gros, si j'ai bien compris, là, il me demande comment, comment est-ce que genre, je me sentais par rapport au voyage et tout. En fait, quel était en gros notre niveau de confiance dans le fait que tu allais gagner ou non par rapport bah, à la compétition avec Heather, par rapport au bar que toi tu faisais, que elle faisait, par rapport au voyage et par rapport au watercut. Ok. Euh, bon, du coup, par rapport au par rapport au cut, c'était pas la première fois que bah, du coup j'allais le faire, donc euh, donc je savais un peu comment ça allait se passer, même si j'avais j'avais jamais fait de cut en voyageant euh, aussi longtemps et en prenant l'avion, etc. Donc euh, par rapport au cut, j'avais un peu confiance. Euh, maintenant, par rapport au par rapport au, au bar et tout ça. Je ne savais pas ce que Heather allait sortir parce que euh, je, je la suivais sur les réseaux, mais je savais qu'elle en avait encore en gros euh, sous le pied et qu'elle ne montrait pas forcément tout. Et que, euh, et que je savais que c'était une athlète très, très forte et qu'elle euh, qu allait faire une dinguerie en fait, euh, au monde. Donc, euh, j'étais... Moi, personnellement, je n'étais pas forcément confiante. Maintenant, euh, toutes les personnes qui étaient autour de moi et, euh, et la plupart des Français même qui m'envoyaient des messages euh, pensaient réellement que j'allais gagner et qu'il euh, n'y avait pas de doute en fait, là-dessus. 
Donc euh, voilà, mais moi, j'étais plutôt dans ma bulle et je ne voulais pas forcément penser à ce qui allait se passer. Et, euh, et je voulais vivre le moment présent. Donc c'était d'abord le voyage, après le cut et après les bars que j'allais faire, etc. etc. So, um, yeah, like you said, uh, there were some different parameters this time around, like with traveling, weight cutting and everything. But um, something that I really value a lot is um, experience. And so uh, Tiffany had done three water cuts previously. Mm. Uh, one of them being uh, a tough one uh, for nationals, which was probably as tough as the one she had to do for worlds. So she already had gone through that and we already had the data and uh, the parameters also because she also went into that first experience this wasn't new for her like at the world stage she knew that that she was going to face this and that and feel like this feel like that and have to do this and do that so you know we weren't um we weren't hesitant about it we we were sure about our strategy and it ended up uh being extremely quote unquote smooth like when I, it wasn't easy but this went all according to plan so at the end of the day this was fine um regarding the showdown with heather um so she was seeing Heather um, extremely strong, extremely high. And so she, she knew that she had to be uh, also at her A game in order for her to beat her. So what she did was she actually got herself into a bubble and um, she were just focusing on the, the present moment. Like first I have to do my training sessions. The training sessions are done. Okay, now I have to travel. Traveling is done. Okay, now I have to water cut. Water cutting is done. Okay, now I have to focus on my lifts. And that's pretty much it. So she didn't have any like calculations, anticipations. Obviously, on my end, I did the, the calculations. I talked to her about it. And we knew that with this squat, this bench, and this deadlift, she was pretty much untouchable. Um, even if Heather would have been her percent, obviously, you never know. But I think that on that day, uh, Tiff was the better athlete despite the circumstances. Um, so I think that with the, the numbers we had crunched, if she was able to hit those numbers, we were safe, we were good, and we would have like some like five kilos advance, I was assuming. Um, and you know, it, it ended up uh, being not as close as we thought, but obviously Heather had gone through some rough uh, stuff also on her end, uh, which explains why she wasn't 100% uh, on her performance. But the fact is that Tiff was on a mission, to be honest with you. Um, training was going fantastic. Um, we, we, she, so she did French nationals three weeks prior to Worlds to get more experience on, on the competitive stage without having to cut and everything, just to be like, okay, my squats are good in terms of depth. I know that I'm strong. My bench is good. My deadlift is good and everything. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, at French Nationals, she also attempted 176 kg deadlift. C'est ça, Tiff, non, 76? Ouais, c'était ça. Which was extremely close, like really, really close. And uh, she was also, she, she, she got a little stronger over this period of time. So honestly, this last deadlift um, at Worlds was, was sent back because uh, we knew the, um, she, she had won. And also, if I was there, uh, personally, I would have yelled at her to not deadlift because uh, at this time, this was pretty much said and done. 
and I didn't want her to push the record too much. I know, I know. I, I, so I was you, texting my girlfriend. That's money. That's money. Yeah, I, I was texting my girlfriend, being like, "Okay, you tell Tiff to stop. He, she doesn't have to come and deadlift. She, she has to stop." And she was like, "Yeah, I'm trying, but she won't listen." And you know, in her head, Tiff was like, "This is going to be the battle of my life." And so, although this wasn't as close as we thought this would be, she was like. Because it gave me so much anxiousness, feeling, nervousness, emotions, I will go until the final deadlift. And I'm glad she, she accepted to finally send back a little bit that last deadlift because this would have been a mistake, I think. Because honestly, I think she was able to deadlift like 175 this day, uh, so which would have, uh, again, uh, bumped the record. Um, but I'm glad she finally accepted to be a little more reasonable. But you know what? Um, I have this double aspect because I'm also an athlete. And what's funny is Tiff and I have pretty much the same mind, mindset about everything. We're never happy. We're never satisfied with what we do. And we're always like, I, I want to do more. I want to be more and everything. So I knew what she was going through. And I was like, I, I don't want to be that that grumpy coach and be like, no, don't do, don't deadlift. You're doing a mistake for for Sheffield and everything. And when, when this was done and I met her uh, the night uh, at the hotel room, I told her, you know what? You did something, you took a decision. Now for Shuffle, you'll have to total 450. So that's up to you. <laughs> that's you're your like, mistake. You're, that's like, up to you're, you. like, you're like, you made it harder for both of us, kid. Yeah. You yeah, know, because I got to I gotta get help get you to 450 now. And we yeah, go, right? It. But, but it's yeah. a new challenge. You know, it's a new challenge. It's a new challenge. I uh, I 100% know what you mean in terms of like um, experience when you're doing water cuts and cutting weight, anyone who's done like a, a weight cut, you feel terrible when it's happening. And when it's happening, you just, you tell yourself, if I feel like this in two hours, when we lift, I'm fucked. Like, this yeah. is scary. This is like, am I going to feel like this when we're lifting and only through doing it over and over and over, do you realize, no, it turns around. It, you get better. How you feel now is not how you're going to feel in a few hours. But if you're not used to it, you can get inside your own head and be like, I'm not having a good day. Holy smokes. This is going to be bad. And it's scary because like, it's one thing for anyone listening to the podcast. If you're doing like a local competition, that's one thing where just you, your friends and family might know you're doing it. But if you have like millions of people on Euro sport, you're on the Canadian, they're the Canadian team, the French team, national team, everybody's watching it's a hype showdown and then you feel like that and at the bottom of a weight cut it's hard to explain but you feel weak you feel yeah. the opposite of strong you're like you know it's rough and you can easily climb in your head and be like oh my god like it's not going to be here today so yeah. you're right in that like experience helps alleviate that stress and anxiety the more you've done it, when you've done it like 20 times, you're used to it and you could tell yourself, no, 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 this is normal. I, when I don't sleep the night before, I always don't sleep the night before. That's fine. It, it's okay. When I water cut, I always will feel like, like terrible at the bottom of this water cut. That's fine. It's okay. But it'll come back. It'll be there. I know what I got to do to get back from the water cut. I know what I got to do when the day of in, like, it'll be okay. Only experience does that so it it was probably a good idea for tiff to like have done that several times i know some people who will just water cut even when there's not a competition to get some reps in 
get some repetition, get it going. Let's see what happens when I'm at home. I'm just going to water cut at home, wake up, weigh in, do my recomp, go to the gym, see how it feels and just get used to the process. You know, so you start having data points. If I start water cutting here, this is how much water I need to load. And then this is how much I can anticipate I'll lose over this many hours. And like, you just, just more and more data. That is king, right? And then also yeah. how you feel about your emotional attachment to it. It's less anxiety. When your cortisol is up, this is scientific proven, you start retaining water, yeah, which sure. is tough, man. That means the more nervous and stressed you are, the harder it is to let go of the water. And it's totally normal to get nervous and stressed when you're at a world championships and nothing's gone wrong. Everything's gone right. You're still going to be stressed. So how do you relax? Yeah, yeah, that, that's exactly it. Like you said, I think you know um, when I when I go when I talk with other powerlifting coaches, they're like, "Yeah, man, I don't know what what like how you can do what a water cut and be like be competitive or be close to your numbers and everything." And I'm like, I think what's hindering more performance isn't like the process; it's more so the emotional stage that you're in. Like you said, you feel like you're dying if you're doing a hot bath it's as if you had fever because the goal is to actually uh, like elevate your uh, body weight, uh, temp your body temperature in order to make you sweat. So you're 100% feeling like you had a fever. And if at that moment, like you exactly said, you're like, I'm feeling like this now in two hours, I have to squat this much, it's done. Then yeah, for sure it's done. And don't go out of the bath, like you can stay in, it's already done. But if you're like, okay, what, what I said to Tiff and what I say to athletes when I know they will have a tough cut is it's not a part of the process. It's a fight. You have two fights. You have the fights with the with the barbell in, in some hours. But first, you have the fight with your own body and with your water cut. If you assume this is going to be easy and you go into a tough spot, then you'll be weaker by the time you have to do your lifts. If... From the beginning, from the get-go, you're like, this is going to be tough, but I know my worth as an athlete. I know my worth, my worth as a person, and I'm going to go through this. Then you're, you're prepared, pretty much. That's, that's it. You know, The only water cut Tiff did that didn't go well was the first time ever when she wasn't prepared. We didn't think she would have to water cut. Uh, so she, this was her last comp as a 43. That's actually why she moved up to the 47s because this water cut was like, quote unquote, a disaster because she, she wasn't ready. But I think this was a good thing because she experienced that horrible water cut. And now all of the other water cuts are like, I don't want to say easy, but she's prepared for them. So like you said, it's really about having to leave those moments emotionally, but also having to gather those data. And like you said, that's exactly what we did. Like at nationals, we were like, okay, this is your starting weight. This is where you ended up with those much uh, adjustments like uh, calories, hot baths and everything. So for, for Worlds, we had a plan that we anticipated and everything went exactly according to plan. And for people saying, yeah, but hot bath hinder your performance and everything, look at Tiff's performance. She was exactly where we thought she would be. She wasn't lower. She wasn't higher. She was exactly on point and she was exactly on dots. So that's pretty uh, much it. I'm going to, um, yeah, I, I got, I got something I want to say about that. Then we'll get into the day that she had, um, but let's take a two minute break. I got to go. I got to take a pee real quick. Hey, let's go. Okay. <laughs> Back in one sec. Okay. So, um, 
what you were saying it, uh, when you were talking about at the weight for in terms of the weight cut, there's confidence being like, uh, you know, whenever you approach anything, if you're trying to almost kid yourself and you're not ready for something tough, like you're like, this is going to be easy. I'm going to smoke this. Everything's going to be fine. When adversity comes and it's hard and it's tough, that is when you get rattled. But there's a way of actually, and this is more than just weight cut, but a lot of things where if you're like, listen to me, this is going to be hard. And I need you to understand this is going to be hard. I need you to understand this is going to be a fight, but you will be okay. I need you to have confidence. It's going to be okay, but I'm not going to sugarcoat this and tell you you're going to smoke this. Don't worry about it. Sometimes people think like, that would be nice if I could make that, if I could tell you that and make it true. But if I tell you that, and it's not true when it comes and the fight comes, you're going to freak out. And it's, but it's just like anything, but when you're, it's just like when you unload a squat and you're ready for the weight, so you get ready. But if it's just warm up weight, it's one thing. When it's PR weight, you better be fucking ready. It's the same thing with anything where it's like, listen to me, this is going to be hard. This is going to be very hard. You are going to question yourself. You're going to question how you feel at the, at the worst of it. You're going to question the whole process. Did we do this wrong? That's going to come. And trust, you're going to be all right, even though that comes. As opposed to trying to bullshit somebody and be like, don't worry about it. It's going to be easy. We're going to rip through this. No worries. You're not helping that person. You think you are. Me telling you what I think you want to hear before you do it to alleviate stress isn't helping you because you're going to feel like shit. And then you'll be like, is this okay? I thought it was supposed to be easy. You told me I was going to kill this. I'm scared now. You know, it's, yeah. um, it's true. You got to be like, as a coach, you have to be like, listen to me. Like I gotta be, I'm going to be honest with you. You know, this is, this isn't going to be fun. There's going to be nothing fun about this. And you will have that moments where you're like, I don't know if this is going to work. It's going to work. Yeah. You know, uh, like you said, maybe, <clears throat> maybe, I don't know if you want to talk about it later, but you know, that's kind of what, what happened with Leah, where um, the night her meet we we knew her body weight what her body weight was and um so she she had started to cut for like two hours i think and then she was like there's no way i'm gonna make it and i told her leah for you worlds won't be competing against others and competing against the the, the weight because we're gonna smoke that like there, there will be no absolutely no opposition whether it be from the weights or from your opponents your worlds will be your water cuts. That's, this will be your biggest fight. And for some of us, that's it. For others, it's different. But you have to prepare someone when you know that they're going to have a tough time, going to go through some rough stuff. If you tell them, yeah, don't worry. And then, like you said, first, they're like, yeah, he lied to me. Uh, I thought this was going to be easy and it's not. So maybe there's something wrong or they're not prepared. So when, when we knew that, Tip's body weight out of comp was this, and we had to do this and that for um, Worlds. We were like, this is going to be the number one. Like, you'll have two showdowns, one with Heather for sure, but another one with your water cut. That you'll have to, and you ha you'll have to win both. Like, if you lose one of them, it's pretty much done. So I think that um, Tiff showed that in uh, a few years of time, because she's only 
competitive, like uh, uh, competing powerlifting for two years because she did so much specific work with the weights and she had, uh, she got a lot of experience because I think she competed like maybe close to 10 times within two years, which is like pretty good yeah. um, because she did like two silent worker meets. Uh, she did uh, one meet with the, the team uh, right after COVID. She did two world championships, which makes six, two nationals, eight, uh, one European, nine. So yeah, she probably competed uh, close to 10, maybe a little more because she will be competing at the silent worker meet in a week. Now also, you know, people are like, yeah, it's, it's too much. It's crazy. You need to give the body rest and everything. Yeah, in a way, you have to give your body rest. But in another way, we all are pretty much different. And we all have different cap capacities in terms of adaptation, recovery, and everything. So if Tiff hadn't gone through all of those meets in this short period of time, she wouldn't have been this much ready for Worlds. And when it's the stage where you, it's, it's the highest stage, whether it be competition, whether it be refereeing, whether it be everything, you have to be fucking ready. And there's there's no shortcut to be to being ready than having played the game several times. And uh, and yeah, we'll, we're going to get into the Leah Bava full water cut story. Um, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the TIFF showdown first, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into all that. But uh, and also like in terms of competing a lot, sometimes for like worlds you come in it's it's there's you know you're you're ready ready for like an all-out historic performance other times like a silent worker you're like okay i'm not gonna try, you don't necessarily have to do the world championship performance but you're going through the motions you're getting more experience here you know let's are we water cutting or we whatever we're just collecting data points getting it out so when you every time you compete you're learning something you know every time you compete you're doing something and it doesn't always have to be full tilt RPE 10 historic moments. You take the pressure off yourself and be like, this one's for fun. This one, I'm showing up, collect some data, get some reps in, just like, like Tiff did the French nationals. Jessica Bittner also did the Canadian nationals like three, four weeks out. And we traveled from North America, which could be like a, and she's even further um, West than me. So she's like more time zones, more like 30 hour travel and still competed within a month. And it's not like she just didn't go all out. She's just getting ready, getting the body ready, going through the motions. The more and more you do it, when you when something adversity comes your way, you're ready for it. So there's there's always something to be taken from everything, right? But um, silent work is going to be freaking dope. I'm going to be yeah, there, man. and I'm super excited to come to Paris to do silent worker, man. I man, am it's crazy. This will be this will be amazing. Like you know, uh, it's it's less than a week now because I think you're coming Friday, right? Yeah. Man, it's crazy. So in five <sighs> days we'll be together again. Oh, hey, okay, what? Yeah, it's five days, man. This be fun. I know, man. I am fucking. I got to get this pod podcast out and drop it so everybody can hear. But I can't. This is like worlds, you know, part two yeah. where we could link up with everybody all over again. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and dude, when I make those, those videos where I like with all the pictures, I'm going to do one for the men's division as well. But when I did do those videos of like pictures with everybody and throw music in the background, I'm like, fuck, it's hard to not be there. Like you just like all oh, these memories, man. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And you know, that's, that's something that you, you, you told me, uh, last year 
and you know i didn't realize it and i think you have to go through worlds once or twice in order to, to realize it it's it's a different game everything the meat the referees the environment meeting people uh it's it's a different game it's a completely different game and honestly i think that if you're a competitive powerlifter listening i'm telling you this is a reward in itself above like being world champ and everything yeah obviously this matters a lot yeah that's for sure but just being there and living this moment because what what i think when i think about our sport i think it this way it's a dumb sport that nobody cares but we are like we care we are the dummies doing this dumb sport so when we when we have the chance to all meet together it's fireworks man it's I, I can't sleep at night because I'm like, yeah, uh, uh. so I went to eat with this guy and I talked with this guy and I, I did this and that. And, and then we did a training together, training session together. Like I remember I had the training session with Gavin last year together and I tried his belt. Uh, this wasn't fitting me. So I had to do some business work, but I was fried by my meat and he was fried also, but he went for a max out conventional or whatever. So, you know, it's just like those crazy fun memories. Dude, when we were um, at Worlds in South Africa, um, like just to like for 100%, I don't sleep dog. I, I go back to my hotel room and I just like, I can't settle down and sleep. So I'm like, if, um, like Gavin and Delaney are like, do you want to hang out? And it's like midnight. I'm like, let's fucking hang out. And we're in the lobby. Where do you want to hang out? Let's hang out where it's almost like throwing down a flag. Anyone walking by can walk up and start talking to us because we we're all on the same page. So we're in a hotel lobby, just chilling talking to like two o'clock in the morning. Don't you got to be like Eurosport the next morning, millions of people. Yeah. But I could go back to my hotel room and just lay there and stare at the ceiling. Or I could be in the hotel lobby, talk, talking to people and soaking it up. And um, we're chilling and everybody's on the same page. Cause Mike T who like, I don't got to tell you guys about Mike T. I know how you feel about Mike T. He's, you literally took all of his courses and helped like get yourself to where you are today because of Mike T. Mike T, we were in the hotel lobby and it was like two o'clock in the morning and like fucking Mike T is walking around. And this is a guy who's been the world games for like 50, 20 years, whatever the ship and powerlifting, he's feeling it, can't sleep and is walking around and he looks across, he sees us we can't sleep and we're all chilling. And he just walks over like gentlemen <laughs> and we just start talking. And it's like, you know, there, there's that, uh, there was a guy who was like in, in a company he's talking about, he's going to give a huge presentation in front of like, I mean, this is a corporate presentation and he's nervous as fuck. He's giving like data and sales and all the rest of it in front of like a big boardroom in the press and the conference, it's like an international, like all these, it's a fortune 500 company and people videoing in from all over the world. And he's nervous as shit. Him and his boss, who's the CEO. And he's like, fuck me. The CEO's with me. If I let him down, holy shit, he's very nervous. And right before he goes on, he looks over at his boss and he notices his fucking boss's hands are shaking a little and he's fidgeting. And he's like, we're all scared. You, it yeah. never passes. You just, you just vibe in the moment. You get used to it. That's all. It never goes away. But yeah. you just, and then all of a sudden, him being nervous and recognizing other people are nervous and feeling it too, gave him confidence. And he's like, okay, we're all in this. We're all in this together. 
And then all of a sudden he's like, all right. So it's not just me. So when you're like it there, it's cool because like, you're like, I can't sleep. Nervous energy, excitement all rolled up into one. And then you see veterans of the game, like Mike T who's seen it all. And he's walking around the hotel lobby at two o'clock in the morning. Like my dog, come and sit down with us and let's start, let's start shooting the shit. And um, it's funny because when he came over, Gavin and Delaney are like newer, right? They're young. They're, they're young dudes. And uh, they didn't, they knew who Mike T was, but didn't know who Mike T was. And I'm like, gentlemen, um, let me introduce you to Mike T. You probably met him before, but I don't think you know him. And uh, they're like, so I told him, you know, RPE, everybody does RPE, like, like RPE seven, RPE eight, RPE nine. Before Mike T, there was no RPE in powerlifting. That man, and I'm pointing at Mike T, they all look over at Mike T, literally brought RPE to powerlifting and changed the entire game of how we program. Completely revolutionized. Before Mike T, there was no such thing as RPE in powerlifting. The at symbol with a seven, at symbol with an eight, didn't exist. The only thing we had was percentages. Your squat is this, your percentage is 80%. So whatever 80% of your max, that's what you're squatting today. And that's all we had. Every single program was that until Mike T said, but some days my sleep, my food, the way I'm beat up doesn't accommodate. I can't do 80%. So how do we do this? And Mike T started investigating how other sports did it because other people, other athletes, we might not have in powerlifting. But some other sports must. So Mike T started investigating other sports and endurance athletes who get beat up from their sport, just like we get beat up on our sport and our body. They changed it and said, we need auto regulation and it's by perceived rate of effort. And that's how we're going to start doing. They use beats, their heartbeat per minute to gauge, you know, how much rate of effort, et cetera. And we use reps. Fine. Same thing. But Mike T's like, how do I make this work? So we devised the RPE chart and started, you know, allocating it and saying, okay, this works, that doesn't, whatever. And then that's fucking Mike T. Mike T did that. And Delaney and Gavin are like, what? I'm like, yes, that dude sitting right in front of us, right there, that OG, Mike T did that. The game will never be the same. That's the footprint he left in the game. And um, when we talk about programming, you know, people talk about Matt Gary when it comes to game day handling. Every game day handling coach you know has been influenced by Matt Gary either directly or indirectly because he literally wrote like a handbook on how to do this and was teaching seminars. Like he's revolutionized the game in terms of game day handling um, because he also is an OG. Mike T, it doesn't matter if you've worked for Mike T, with Mike T, work with Penna or whoever, you have been influenced by Mike T in terms of your coaching and programming, whatever, every athlete. And it's like yeah. fucking, and these guys are like, holy shit. I'm like, yes, man. Two yeah, o'clock just, in the morning in a hotel. That's, that's sure that 90% plus of people powerlifting have a program where there are some RPEs written on it. Whether yeah. it be fully written with RPEs or half with half or, uh, percentages, whatever. So this means that Mike T has... An impact had and has still today an impact on 90% of bar lifters around the world. 
or, or like your, and, your coach is no your about coach. It and, yeah, and sure, yeah, you know. look at auto regulation has been brought up. Put it that yeah. way. No matter and, what you're aware. Yeah. And also, you know, something else, which I think is a little different, maybe not those many people have been influenced by Mike T on that point, but I have, that's for sure. So it's the fact that when you see someone as successful as Mike T is, maybe like you said, uh, the younger people, like maybe T, for instance, who joined two years ago, doesn't know that at some point Mike T was coaching several world champions and everything. And RTS was number one ranked uh, coaching staff over the world, like no, sure. no question about it and everything. And Mike T also was one of the best uh, powerlifters in the world at some point and will be soon. I'm, I'm sure about that uh, soon enough. Um, but yeah. Uh, so when you see that guy saying, you know what? I don't know all of the answers. And I think that's fine because I don't need to know them all by heart. What I need to do is do some investment, do some research and find solutions to the given problems that I have. And uh, what I would say is obviously Mike influenced me a lot on the RPEs, the order regulation and everything, but it's also more so on the philo philosophical and psychological aspects of the game that he influenced me. Because when you see that guy saying, I don't know, I'll, I'll have to do some research. I'll have to do some trial, trial and error and see what works, what doesn't, why, why this could be this or that. Man, it's for me, I was like, if this guy who's at the, at the top is like, I need to do some research, then who the fuck am I to think that I know everything and that I don't have to do my research? Yeah. We always have to do our research. And the, the fact on, like Mike T has influenced me a whole lot on that also. So I was fortunate enough to meet him at uh, Worlds in South Africa and I was able to, to tell him all of that. But yeah, like you said, man, Mike T is the guy and without him, 100% wouldn't be here today uh, at this level on our sport because I think our regulation RPE revolutionized the whole game and also on my end I wouldn't be here coaching wise athlete wise without Mike T's influence on my like perception of the sport and of programming in general cool thing too with Mike T man when you meet him you know some people you meet and they don't live up like uh yeah. Yeah. he is Please a up. nice guy yeah like he's yeah. actually like fuck that was because these dudes gavin in in um delaney when mike t sat down like he's just quiet keeps to himself sits down he's involved in the conversation but he's not loud or like whatever the hell cocky or whatever he's like super humble and i'm like these dudes don't even know <laughs> yeah he, he like, i gotta tell him he influenced the whole sport. And yeah. if if there was a guy, like two people can brag. Taylor Atwood, Mike T. For yeah. me, those are the only two people that can brag. Oh, about we'll talk about this in a minute. We'll talk about Joe Jordan in a minute. Don't go yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got so much to talk about. But, yeah. but anyway. But you know what I mean? Those two. And yeah. like you said, Mike T is, when you meet him, you're like, he's, yeah, uh, he's like, it's as if he's not the goat of the sport. But I want to say, man, programming wise, Mike T is the goat. Yeah, man, he's look at it. Uh, the number of world champions and world record breakers and everything he's done, and and the courses he put out for people to do online courses, like I know you had done previously, Coco or whatnot. Um, yeah, man, he's he's influenced the game. So talking about like how you know exciting it is, and um, also, so I'm gonna ask Tiff a question here, but before that, I just want to say like just telling you guys how much it is. Like I remember telling Delaney, messaging Delaney, being like, do you want to go for lunch? 
just randomly, whatever the shit, let's go for lunch or a coffee or something. My man was literally about to enter his hotel room. Literally had swiped it and opened the door about to walk in his hotel room and just ate, just came back from lunch. He gets my message and he's like, fuck it. Let's go six. And, and we're going for lunch again, because what are you going to sit in your hotel room? No, dog, yeah, that's yeah. not what you do in it world. He's like, uh, I'll, maybe I won't eat, but just to hang. And then, I mean, he ended up eating anyways, because <laughs> come on, man, the food's in front of you. But that's what the vibe is like at worlds where you're just like, I can't waste a moment. And the reason why I think my body won't let me fall asleep is because my, I tell myself, my body knows be awake for this. Somebody's awake for this. I remember chance after he had won, um, he, he couldn't sleep because he took so much caffeine. So he was up literally the entire night. And while he's up, he's like, fuck, I got to Let me ask. Let me ask six if there's a, a, a link for the, to watch the um, Olympic channel, like not the stream, but like, like the, it was archived somewhere so I could watch what already happened. So he messaged me and he's like, he'll get back to me in the morning when he gets it. And it was four o'clock in the morning because Chance was on so much caffeine. And I hit him back in like two minutes. And he's like, <laughs> homie, what the fuck are you still doing up? I, I can't sleep because I got so much caffeine. Why are you up at four in the morning? And I'm like, dog, I ain't sleeping neither. <laughs> you know, yeah, this is what our worlds, baby. What are we talking about? I'm soaking it up. I can't. Um, and I'm not tired during the day, man. It's weird. You think I'm tired, but I'm like, let's fucking go. Um, so I was like, I was going to ask Tiff. So for Tiff to show up, what was it like for you, Tiff, when you see Heather Connor for the first time and you see Team USA for the first time and it's like, oh my God, here it is. And you're in the venue and the venue is huge, you know, and you're like, this is it. This is about to happen. Yeah. Um, oh, bon, bah, pas non. Um, au, au début, genre, je, la, la première fois que j'ai vu les heures, c'était juste après ma pesée. Elle venait d'aller aux toilettes, je crois. <rire> et, euh, et en fait, j'ai voulu aller lui dire bonjour. Mais euh, je pense qu'elle était un peu dans son truc. Et du coup, euh, juste après ça, je me suis dit, bon, bah, Tiff, c'est le moment, vas-y, concentre-toi. Et, euh, et du coup, en fait, après les les coachs français n'ont pas voulu me mettre à côté d'elle en fait en, en salle de chauffe et, euh, et du coup les, les seuls moments où, euh, où j'ai pu lui parler c'est juste après la compétition où euh, je l'ai félicité et elle m'a félicité et après je ne l'ai plus vue alors j'aurais bien aimé parler avec elle mais c'est vrai que la première fois que je l'ai vue genre, je me suis dit ah ouais c'est réel c'est maintenant, genre ça se passe maintenant tout de suite là donc, euh, donc j'étais un peu euh, je vais pas dire impressionnée mais Genre, j'étais là, waouh, c'est réel. Et euh, parce qu'il a demandé, est-ce que quand tu as vu la Team USA, tu as ressenti quelque chose ou toi, tu étais juste focus sur les heures ou euh... tu les as pas vues ou... Au début, j'étais plus focus sur moi-même et sur les heures aussi un peu. Et après, euh... bon, en réalité, non, pas vraiment. <rire> bah, C'était passé, ok. So, um... She said that um, she was mostly focused on herself and Heather. So she didn't feel that whole like Team USA presence versus Team France and everything. Um, and so she met, so, so she saw Heather uh, just after she had weighed in, uh, like Tiffany had weighed in and she saw Heather. And um, she was like, seem, she, she seemed like in her bubble. And so Tiff was like, you know, 
maybe now is not a good time to go and talk to her. So I'll go into my zone myself and we'll, we'll see afterwards. And then, uh, so the coaching staff from Team France didn't want uh, her to be next to Heather warming up. So they took a rack like that was further away. And so Tiff and Heather, like she, she didn't really saw her throughout the whole meet. Uh, and when the competition was done, she went to actually talk to her. So, so she congratulated her, her, congratulated her. Heather did the same. And afterwards, like Tiff didn't see Heather uh, for the whole period of time there. And she said that um, she, she would have liked to just, just, you know, to chat a little, um, but she couldn't. And she said that she felt something when she saw her for the first time. She was like, she wasn't really impressed or anything, but it was more so, okay, this is real now. This is going to happen right now. So she felt that emotion when she saw her and uh, she was like, okay, now game time. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it is like that though. It's not like, you know, I know what you mean where it's, you're not like in awe when you see the person, like you said, like, not like, you know, oh my gosh, but really the person you saw on social media, the person you heard on podcasts, the person, when you see them in real life for the yeah. first little bit, it is like, holy shit, man, I've been doing this a long time. When I meet people the first, for the first time in real life, I feel it, you know, I can see them be like, oh shit, here we are. I can only imagine when the community has put you on opposite ends of one particular person. But like, like for me, just, and for a lot of people, just meeting someone you see on social media all the time, you hear podcasts all the time. There's a weird, like, holy fuck, I'm actually seeing the person in real life. That's just the normal. Everybody feels that when they all see each other. I can only imagine what it's like when the entire community across the world puts you on one side and someone else on the other. So every time you post, you know, there's a connection between the two of you because you're about to face off and every podcast, everything you're on opposite ends. If the community is post you guys against each other, they're posts with you guys, your pictures head up going against each other the whole night. So when you actually see each other face to face, it, the feeling I just described that everyone else feels when they see someone on social media must be augmented 10 times, tenfold. And it would be like, this is fucking, here we go. Here it is. Like, and especially if you hadn't seen them in real life before. So all you ever had was that mystique, that hype around it, that it's me and you, every post, every podcast, every pre-show, you know, everything. And you're like, fuck them. When you actually see them in real life, you're like, whoa, all right. Like this is, <laughs> I know it's difficult to explain. It's not like you put them on a pedestal and you're like in all of them like that, like you had said, but there is, you can't help but feel something. You can't help yeah. but have an, how do you not have an emotional attachment to that? You're a human. It is like, all right, let's fucking, we're about to find out. You know, and it's, um, I felt it, man. I feel it when I see these two in the back room. And in terms of um, moving down the warm up from not being side by side, sometimes it is a good idea because it can be, especially like, it can be a distraction. When you're trying to get your lifter, like, look, just get in the zone and worry about yourself. Don't worry about the other person. If you're right beside the person, you can be looking over too much. You can be, if they're overly confident, it, you know, whatever it is, maybe it doesn't matter how confident they are, but maybe it does. Like Russell or he said, he was on the podcast after he won uh, USAPL Nats. And he was like, I know if I had beaten you before and you feel, I can make you feel like, oh shit, here we go again. This feels like last time. 
I know if you're, I could see it on your face. If you're starting to feel that way, I'm not going to do a lot, but I know I could start walking around big chest peacocking a little bit. I know I could start being like, when I get more confident, like fucking start getting like, oh, like hand slapping with the boys and be like, all oh, whatever. And you see my confidence. I'm, I'm saying, here we go again. I'm about to win again. And by virtue of that, I'm signaling to you, here you go again. You're about to lose again. Like I know when I'm doing that, he knows like there's certain people I could give that vibe and I can tell you can park it and you're still going to do your thing, but momentum's a real thing. There's a reason why you can be confident with your friends. But when I put you in a room full of people, you don't know, some people are still confident and loud and being the acting the same. And some people who feel shy, it's that's the simplest way of putting it. People like, no, it doesn't get in your head. Then have you ever been in a room full of people you don't know and you don't quite feel as confident? It's just that. Only in sports, you're just not quite yourself. Just a little bit. Everyone feels that. People pretend they don't feel that. Bullshit, man. Look, a dog, I'm about as outgoing as you get, but I'll still feel a little bit ways if you put me in a room I don't know nobody in. It's, it's just normal. It's normal part of life. So when you go into sports, that's all that is, and it can affect you a little bit. And that's where Team France might be like, because Heather's a very confident woman and she's loud. And like, you know, she's like, that's how she's built her, her career in terms of powerlifting, right? And these are, these are the virtues that we like about Heather. That's what makes Heather Heather. That's what makes Russ Russ. So for Team France to be like, we got a lifter, a young lifter, first major showdown. Let's, let's, let's move it down the road a little bit. Stay in the zone, stay on your own. You know, don't worry about what she's doing. Maybe, maybe it wouldn't matter, but we just won't have the tangible. We won't have that variable there. Let's just take it out. 100%. You know, some people would be like, do I take that personally? They don't want to share a, a warm-up room or a warm-up rack with me. Some people are like, can we share the warm-up rack? And if they're like, no, it's not personal. It's not like, no, because I don't like you. It's because I, everything I just described. It's, it's yeah. all about, I just described, it's just variables. Let's just take out the variables. May the best person, we could talk afterwards. I'll buy you a fucking beer. But right now, I just got to get in my shit. Or, or the coaching staff is like, you know, doing that. That's why. Because I've heard some people, you know, say like they wouldn't do, you know, the person before the competition wouldn't do this, wouldn't do that. Don't take things personal. Like oftentimes it's just trying to avoid stress for a lifter or an athlete. You know what I mean? Um, so that was a good idea. I think that was a good idea, especially this is the first major showdown and it was hyped, you know, yeah. but yeah, uh, I would agree with you. I think, I think it's really dependent on the individuals. Like I, I would assume that probably Russell wouldn't mind. Like he, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Competition. And actually he would enjoy it. I would assume probably, uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's about character and uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think team friends did the right, the right move because um, this was the first major showdown with Tiff. Obviously, like we said, she, she had had a lot of experience in meets, but it's different to have those meets like nationally or even internationally, like at Euros or uh, Worlds last year, but she didn't have this kind of competition and this kind of anticipation. So I think, yeah, they did the right, right move, I would say. Like you said, maybe this wouldn't have mattered, but let's not take the risk. And, and don't ask the lifter because they never want to show weakness. Yeah, for sure. They're yeah. scared. You just yeah. do it. You just do it. Yeah. Some people yeah. will ask the lifter. No, no, no. Like if you, you, yeah. you never want to put someone on a spot where I'm essentially asking you, are you afraid? Are you nervous? Yeah. Are you confident? I might as well just ask you, are you confident? Or are you not confident? That's a bullshit question. 
don't, don't even make, I shouldn't, I'm not even going to put you on the spot to ask that of yourself, to audit yourself. Am I confident? You're going to say, yeah, I'm confident. Fuck it. Hop in my squat rack. No, 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 no. It's like, I'll, I'll put, take it, take the pressure off you and put it on me. It's my decision. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what a good coaching staff does. It's like, it'll be on me. I'll be the guy then, but we're going to get the most out of you. Right. So um, in terms of the actual competition, so you, you smoke 152.5 and move up to a world record 160.5 in your, in your second attempt. This is a world record squad already. Um, and then you move to 163. Now, Heather, at this point, she opens up with um, 132.5 and she, her second squat is 140. She, she's 20 kilo behind already on the squats. Both of you guys missed your thirds, but you already have a world record. You have a chip. Um, and you're 20 kilo ahead, which is fucking huge in terms of powerlifting in the 47 kilo class. Um, were you guys anticipating this? Did you think, you know, this is the type of lead you would have in the squats already? Um, wh what were you guys thinking after the squat event? Yeah. 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 Euh, il fallait que j'ai ce squat en 160, à 160 kilos pour, euh, pour me laisser en fait la marge que je n'avais pas au deadlift. Donc en fait, c'était le squat qu'il me fallait. Non, il n'a pas tout à fait dit ça. En gros, il a demandé, il a dit qu'en gros, à ce moment-là, donc toi, tu as fait 160, elle 140. Est-ce qu'on s'attendait à avoir cette avance-là ah. au squat et, euh, et du coup, est-ce que euh, toi, à ce moment-là, euh, ressenti quelque chose de en mode ah ben, on est bien on n'est pas bien etc euh, si on s'attendait à avoir cette avance là non peut-être pas parce que on savait pas vraiment ce qu'elle allait enfin ce qu'elle allait faire au squat quoi. on sait jamais ce que ce qu'une personne peut sortir euh, maintenant moi je regardais pas du tout ce qu'elle faisait je voulais pas regarder pendant le pendant la compétition parce que je savais genre sur toutes les autres compétitions j'ai toujours regardé ce que, regardé ce que les autres faisaient et ça m'a toujours un peu déconcentré et là comme je savais qu'il allait avoir un match en fait je voulais pas du tout regarder ce qu'elle faisait j'étais dans mon truc dans ma bulle et je savais même pas en fait combien de kilos d'avance j'avais sur elle ou même au bench ou au deadlift en fait je savais pas du tout donc euh, je savais pas non enfin ouais. mis à part mon premier deadlift où okay. ils m'ont dit euh, vas-y il faut pas mettre autant <laughs> mais sinon okay. non je sais okay. so um like i told you uh, we had crunched some numbers with tiff in training and uh heather had posted some big squats uh big sets prior to worlds i think with like 150 maybe for a double or something so we were expecting her to squat at least 150 maybe a little more like 52, something like that. So we knew that we would have to take a big squat in order to have the advantage on her. And so um, when she ended up squatting 140, um, so, you know, I was I was in my hotel room uh, watching the live stream. Uh, when I saw that, I was like, okay, this is extremely good. Like, I don't think um, she can come back from, from that unless like if drops the ball big, big time on, on the bench or whatever. But I knew that she was way more ready than, than ever before. So. Um, but the, what the, what Tiff did was she didn't even look at the board, not even once throughout the whole meet. Mm. Uh, and the only time that she, uh, understood the, what the situation was, like what kind of, of advantage she, she had on Heather, it was at her opener, opener on deads, 
because Team France actually lowered the opener. And when Tiff, when they, they told that to Tiff and they told her, you know, you don't need that big of an opener in order to like make it matter, make it count. And so that's when she understood that she had an, a quite significant advantage on Heather at that time. But throughout the whole meet, uh, she didn't look at the board. And yeah, to be quite honest, when I saw, I wasn't there in person, but when I saw that she had a 20 kilos advance and that Heather quote unquote only squatted 140, which is like a big squat still, you know, obviously oh, yeah. 47, but oh, yeah. she had done way more in training. Uh, I was like, yeah, it seems a little off. She's probably not feeling her percent. So I think from there, the, the game was pretty much all said and done, I would say. Going into, so you have a world record squad already in your second attempt. Um, missed the third, but that's okay. It was, it was like three kilos would have been added. It depends on how much you had emptied the tank from the third. But as it turns out, that was, that was the only uh, lift that you missed. So for the bench press event, Open up with a junior world record 90 kilo bench press, which is freaking huge for a 47. Um, move up to 96 kilos on your second, which is freaking huge. A 96 kilo bench for a 47 is absolutely huge. And then, so Heather ends up finishing with 72.5. So again, she's losing more than 20 kilo on bench press, which is a massive fall behind. Now, Heather's got a massive deadlift. But the type of gap that is forming in the subtotal, I'll pull up the numbers here because I'd crunched it. One sec here. Um, leaving in, the, in terms of subtotal, Tiffany had a 256.5 kilo subtotal. Heather had a 212 and a half. That is a massive gap. And by the time the bench was done, you know, Team France decided after the second bench press, you don't need to come back out. It's almost like what they saw with squats. You took the world record. You got a massive lead, missed your third. When it came into the bench press event, and I think this was a good idea by Team France, making a lot of good decisions here. You got the world record. You got your lead again. We don't need to do what we did again with, with squats. You don't need to come out and possibly risk missing. If you keep missing, you get tired and start grinding and whatnot. They're like, let's just chill. Right now on subtotal, you are so far ahead. If Heather hits a 200 kilo deadlift, which is huge, 441 pounds, that's, that's an absolute, that's for sure her top end. She will still only end up with 412.5. I say only, that's a massive total for a 47. But comparative to where Tiff was, it, it just was, that's like Heather's top end deadlift she wasn't going to be able to, she wasn't going to be able to bridge that gap. That's before deads even started. If you look at the subtotals and you do the math and I was doing this myself. So I know team France is doing this. That's why they're like, don't go out for your third bench, save it. Cause your opening deadlift could pretty much clinch this. Like there's the, the it would be, you know, it's too far. And, and you Penna, you're, you're watching this. Um, so when you seen the bench unfolding, were you like, all right, yeah, she probably doesn't have to come out for a third, stay in the pocket. You could, you don't need your third bench. You need your opening dead. That's really the one that's going to solidify this. Like, did you like how it was unfolding in terms of the decision-making they were making? Honestly, um, maybe a year ago, I would have answered differently. 
Uh, now, what I will say is W matters more than everything else For sure. on at Worlds. So I would say that if Tiff was like, I think I have a, a, another kilo left in the tank, like I think I can do 97. Yeah, going in like with, uh, like you said, the anxiety, the intensity, the fatigue, the stress of hitting another lift, just to add one kilo on your total when there's the lift coming up and you know that that's maybe where Heather will cover most ground, I would say it's not it's not worth it. And I would say it's the right call. Maybe a year ago, I would have said, you have another opportunity to do a world record. Why not take it? Hmm. So I would say it's it's both ways. But yeah, at the end of the day, I, I, I agree with the decision that was made there. And I would assume that Tiff was uh, agreeing on that decision also. I don't see Tim Friends making a call without... Uh, asking uh, the lifters uh, feeling uh, like that, like uh, not allowing another world record attempt. Um, and yeah, I'm sure that Tiff was like, yeah, maybe I can hit 97. And from, the, from there, they were like, yeah, maybe it's not, it's not worth it to go, to go back at it, to add one kilo to the total and make one, um, one kilo difference on 40-something on kilos different on the subtotal. So I would, I would agree on that. Yeah, it's almost like, look, we're, you're about to win this. Like your next lift, is going to clinch this. But um, the only way you don't is if you go out, grind the fuck out of something, maybe miss it. And now you're not, you're depleted for this opening dead. Like they're thinking you're about to go to Sheffield. You're about to win the world title. And now we could just do whatever the hell you want. The anxiety's off. Now there's no more questions. Like you're about to pull this away. So um, in terms of like, if you're like a, a football coach and you're making a decision, like, or you're a coach of any sport, you're like, I'm about to get you the dub. We're about to get the W. We're about to, you're about to go off into Sheffield. You're about the whole nine. I see it. So like, let's, there's risk reward. You know, you got a world, you got two world records already, you know? So anyways, but what Tiff, did you know in terms of the decision-making for the bench press that this was happening? Like you, when did they tell you we're going to not go up for the third and tell you why did you know what was happening? Uh, alors déjà, quand je suis sortie de mon premier bench, euh, je leur ai demandé de mettre 96 kilos et ils m'ont tous les trois regardé euh, un peu bizarrement en me, di enfin, en, en me disant euh, t'es vraiment sûr et en fait moi je voulais, les, je voulais le, le record au, au bench c'était euh, quelque chose que je voulais et je leur ai dit oui oui oui, oui je suis d'accord je veux, euh, je veux, je veux mon, deuxième, mon deuxième bench à 96 kilos et de là ils me l'ont mis et en fait quand je suis sortie de, mon, de, de, ce, de cet essai là euh, je, je suis sortie et en fait euh, ils, ils m'ont regardé ils m'ont dit qu'est-ce qu'on fait et je leur ai dit c'est vous qui décidez maintenant, euh, maintenant à voir je sais pas si genre je sais que si jamais on met plus je vais faire un grind des, des enfers et je sais même pas si je vais terminer la barre et c'est là où ils ont, ils, ont, enfin, ils ont décidé en gros euh, de ne pas mettre plus et de s'arrêter là. Comme ça, j'allais un peu reprendre pour le deadlift parce que je commençais déjà à cramper. Et, et du coup, je n'étais pas assez hydratée. Ils m'ont dit « Repose-toi, hydrate-toi ». Et donc, c'est là où en fait, bah, j'étais plutôt d'accord avec eux. Et, euh, et c'est pour ça qu'on n'a pas, pas mis le troisième essai et on s'est concentré, on va dire, sur, sur le deadlift. Et voilà. Mais donc, du coup, ils t'ont quand même demandé avant la troisième barre, qu'est-ce qu'on fait Est-ce qu'on en refait une ou pas Et toi, tu leur as dit euh, « Voilà quoi ». Ouais, bah, c'est Fabrice qui a dit euh, « on s'arrête là ». J'ai dit euh, « okay. bah, écoute, <laughs> voilà so, ». Donc, um, so elle she, she a her, her opener weight, uh, 90 kilos, 
uh, then she she asked for 96 and all of the coaches uh, from Team France looked at her like uh, 96 like you're sure uh, that's maybe too much and so she she insisted because she wanted to hit that 96 uh, world record on her second attempt hit that so then after the second attempt she went back to the coaches and um, so the head coach uh, from Team France told her like uh, should we stop here uh, and she said you know I think I can maybe grind like crazy a weight, another mm. attempt, but I'm not sure I'm going to make it. And so that's where they decided, you know, let's let's drop it because uh, she also started to have some cramps. Um, so uh, they decided that it was better to drop the the attempt, uh, get get her more time in order to he- he rehydrate herself uh, before uh, hitting that. And you know, just for like context for anybody listening. With Turbo Tiff's opening deadlift, her total was already 416.5, which is a world record more than Heather's ever hit with her opening dead. So totally did in terms of strategy, that's yeah. it, man. You just be like, all right, say less. I don't want I'm I'm hearing grind and I'm hearing not sure. <laughs> you know, as a coach, you're like, we're done. This conversation is good. We don't need to risk nothing. It'd be crazy. Like I'm about to lock in right now. Your opening deadlift is going to be the world record. And then, um, and Heather, like, you know, she's a gutsy kid. She's going out on her shield. I talked to her before deadlifts and she's like, I don't know if she's paying attention to the scoreboard, but she's like, here is deadlifts is, is my jam. If I'm going to make any headway, it's gotta be now. Um, and she's, she's staying upbeat despite it all, despite like, yeah, like you had said, her, her best squats were probably in, in the training room and not on the platform that day, but all of you guys got hearts aligned. So you're just like, fuck it. It's not over yet. I ha- you got to keep faith. You have to tell yourself this. You have to be like, well, let's see though. You know, maybe, yes, uh, if Turbo Tiff hits her opening deadlift, this is going to be fucking, my odds of winning are really going down. But what am I going to do? I'm going to pack it up. I'm going to yeah. give up. Like I got to, she's doing her job. You know what I mean? She went out there and did her job, but for all intents and purposes, as soon as Turbo Tiff hit that opening deadlift, it was like, holy shit, this is going to be a monster total. Like, this is going to be uh, already, it's bigger than anything we've ever seen. And when you were watching Penna yourself on the live stream, um, as you're fighting to live, and you're still watching, you're like, oh my God. Um, like, what, when you seen her hit that opening deadlift, were you telling yourself, that's probably a wrap? Now, let's see how far she's going to put it. What, what were you thinking? Yeah, like, like I told you, I, I knew that, you know, when squat is going wrong uh, and by quite, sub- like quite substantially, like Heather, um, like hitting 154 reps and just barely hitting 140 on the platform, I knew that something was off with her energy and her strength on that day. So honestly, and, and given how Tiff had performed on squat and bench, I knew that she was there on that day. So I was like, you know, the gap is just too much. Uh, I, I didn't have to wait for Tiff to hit her opener to, to know that she was there, that she was able to deadlift 170 plus that day. Uh, what, what I was looking at, though, was Heather deadlift because that's the problem with those crazy deadlift demons is you never know like what they can pull and they can always pull to upset you. Um, so I was more so looking at Heather Heather's opener rather than Tiff's because I knew that you know, the thing with Tiff is, is that She's extremely technically sound and repeatable on every lift, and she doesn't have any crazy drops or highs on strength. 
like she she will maybe hit some close numbers for eight 12 weeks then she'll progress a little then she'll progress a little. you know she's really steady overall she's a really steady athlete so i knew that because her squat was 160 something bench 96 something i knew that her deadlift would be 170 something because that's what her training was telling us so i wasn't having any doubts and i had done the the, the, the crunching and i knew that a 170 dead was closing in on a 425 plus total and i was like yeah from there unless heather pulls 210 to 11 i don't know how much you would have needed so i was more so uh, looking at heather's opener to see that is, is she maybe is that demon alive today to deadlift 200 plus as a 47 Gosh. and unfortunately for her and fortunately for us uh it wasn't the case so um but what i would say is um to be quite honest, um, like I told you from the get-go, I was sure to win, even if Heather would have been a hundred percent. Obviously, you never know, but given the numbers that she was hitting, and like I told you, the, the fact that she's really steady, really uh, repeatable, uh, whether it be technique-wise, whether it be standard-wise, like depth on squat, pose on bench, lockout on deadlifts, and everything. Yeah, I think that that day Tiff was the the strongest. No doubt, no question about it. Well, I mean, let's, with all respect to every 47 kilo ever, we've never seen a 47 kilo lifter total 426.5. Like that's just, that's just fact. It doesn't matter who we're talking about. Um, you know, like we have previous winners of the 47 kilo class who like people say like powerlifting isn't a mainstream sport. We don't have the A list athletes that's what some people would say like you know the guys who choose the nfl football or major league baseball because it's millions of dollars we don't have a-list athletes in the 47 kilo class we have an olympic gold medalist in weightlifting that's the world record that tiffany took tiffany is an a-level athlete olympic gold medalist man is the previous world record holder and tiffany broke that so this is, you know, and Heather as well is an A-list athlete. Both of them together are A-list athletes, like tip of the spear against all other sports. Um, and it, so with regards to all of those A-list athletes, including Olympic gold medalists, we've never seen anything that what Turbo Tiff did with 426.5. It doesn't matter who would have showed up and what day they had. Um, I mean, you have one or two 52s that would have done better and that's it in history <laughs> right yeah. like there's like period or you have to go weight class up if you if you want to talk about someone who would have beat turbo tiff um you have to go weight class up and having said that now i know we got sheffield but how close are we to having that conversation that turbo tiff is gonna go weight class up <laughs> Si jamais je passerai, enfin, genre par rapport au. Comment on dit euh, bah, Comment C'est par rapport au. À la force, mais équipée, non Non. Having to go away class up, ça veut dire en gros, à quel. Là, en gros, ce qu'il est en train de dire, c'est que la, ta perf, elle est absolument historique et tout. Et que, oui. en gros. Euh, il n'y a que une ou deux athlètes en moins de 52 dans l'histoire qui ont fait plus que ton total en moins de 47. Ah, et si... En parlant d'athlètes en moins de 52, à quel point est-on 
genre de discuter d'une éventuelle montée en moins de 52 C'est la question qui est posée. Euh... <rire> euh, on verra euh, après Sheffield. Okay. After Mais Sheffield, avant, I got that, homie. I got that. My French is getting better and better. <rire> Mais avant, il y a une compète que tu vas peut-être faire en moins de 52. Euh, bah déjà, tu peux, euh... tu peux battre un record du monde. Non À l'Arnold Bah Arnold, je les ferai en moins de 52. Bah oui, mais tu peux battre un record du monde. À l'Arnold Bah oui. Ah oui. Ben Alors... oui <laughs> So, um, she said that whatever happens, she's going to compete uh, at Sheffield as a 47, that's for right. sure. But uh, having said that, um, Leah and myself um, have decided to compete at the Arnold uh, in the UK. And uh, so it's kind of a redemption for it in France. And um, yeah, that's a good story. Yeah. And Tiff might be joining us to compete as a 52. Uh, so without, without having to cut and everything. And, uh, and as you probably know, uh, you, can, you can break world records at the Arnold. So maybe we're setting uh, we're setting a goal to actually break the 52 world record at the Arnold and make Chief being the holder of the 47 and the 52. Overall total record? Yeah. <laughs> oh shit, son. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> In that so this, would, this would be her 52 debut. Uh, and again, uh, we we don't know because like Chief's body weight is fluctuating between 49 and 50. So this would make her a light 52, oh. and this makes her uh, a quite a big 47. But again, you know, uh, nationals and worlds, we had that experience with the water cut, and now we're like sure she can make it happen, and she can compete either 47 or 52. And um, what I think we will be doing from now on, um, obviously, uh, we would have to, to check with the head coach of Team France and everything, but it's mainly focusing on worlds as a 47, and doing the other meets as a 52, probably, without having to have the whole experience of water cutting and everything. Maybe maintaining like two cuts a year and not going above that. So if she competes at the Arnold at the end of September, she'll compete as a 52. And honestly, uh, the 52 world record is high and it's held by a really, really strong athlete. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, another French lifter for sure. Uh, but I think Tiff can, Tiff can do that. Yeah, so Noemi Alibert hit a 438. Um, she sit higher at a national level, but the world level, for anyone listening, you got to do it at international level. Um, and we've talked about, like, you know, how difficult the international level is. So that's why you can only yeah. do world records on the international level because the standard of judging and everything goes up, obviously. So 438 isn't the craziest of jumps, especially if she doesn't have to cut. Now, this would be like a preview because you have what she would could do as a 52 but she's not really a 52 she'll be like yeah. a 50 so yeah. it's not you know we haven't we won't see exactly what could she do if she goes i am going 52 and i'm gonna go i'll probably walk around at like 54 kilo and have to yeah. cut the 52 like if you picture what turbo tiff can do at 50 kilo she'll probably get some monster totals possibly a world record which is insane but if you picture what Turbo Tiff can do when she's walking around at 54 kilo body weight and she cuts two kilo. So she's, she's doing the same cut 
for 52 as she's doing now for 47. Now what's her total? Now what are we talking about? This is all in the future. She's got work to do at 47. Um, If she can hit it comfortably and win best lifter at the IPF World Championships and go to Sheffield and keep pushing it, yeah, like it doesn't make sense yet. Yeah, this is maybe a little bit premature, a little bit early. But the more you weight lift, the more muscle mass you put on. Yeah, and it just man, it, with Tiff, it's crazy. Like uh, she would have to to pull up some older pictures of herself and send them to you uh, compared to today's. Man, it's like the muscle mass she added on herself. And the thing with Tiff is that you know, contrary to dudes, usually you don't do like two, three, four years of like general weight weight training, and then you like specialize yourself in powerlifting. She almost immediately start starting by powerlifting. Mm. I think th- she's the perfect example that you can develop a huge muscle mass just by squatting, benching, deadlifting with like the, um, the required amount of stress, volume, work, recovery, et cetera, et cetera. And the, the, the thing is, um, I think the, the, the biggest part uh, would be to find how to do the, tra- the transition. Again, if she wants to do it, because I think this would have to come from her personally, because it's not easy to be like a year ago, I was weighing 39 kilos, 38 kilos, and now I'm weighing 49. And a year from now, I'll be weighing 54. So, you know, you know what I mean? Like within two years, she would have had like 15 to 16 kilos on her 39 body weight kilos at first. (laughs) She's a different human being. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much. So, um, yeah, I think, I think she, this decision will not be driven by performance. It will be driven by her own emotions and feelings towards this, this question and this idea. And right now, I don't think uh, it's time to ask ourselves this question, like on the long run, but mm-hmm. on the short term, yeah, for sure. Every, probably every meet you'll do from now on, uh, unless it's, like Sheffield or whatever, this will be at, uh, as a light uh, 52. Here's the thing. She's the greatest 47 kilo lifter of all time. So it's tough to like, how do you leave 47 kilo when you're the greatest of all time? And you just became the greatest of all time. And you just like defeated the previous goat. And now you're the goat and you're doing things that no one's ever seen. So it's kind of like, before you leave, it's a little early because she's 21. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um, Vanta, is that what it is? Vanta, oh, nice. Oh. <laughs> okay, all right. This is a bilingual podcast. Practicing, practicing for next next Saturday. That's right. Hey, that's right. This is a bilingual podcast moment. But yeah. um, so it's early to like, because once you move up, it's harder to cut weight and move back down. 100%. If you're like, let's move down. Yeah. Very difficult actually, especially if it's muscle. Losing muscle is tough. So take your time. Like, especially if you're only 21, just take your time and enjoy it. And just every now and then, like, I think you guys got a good game plan in the off season. Just don't cut, but don't bulk. Just don't cut and chill there for a little bit. Keep smashing records. Keep pushing the 47 kilo limit and new people are going to emerge, you know, um, in terms of like, like Heather's still there, but there's other Americans that are now hitting in the 400s who are also juniors. Um, You know, Jessica in the USAPL, if she comes over and she might, because this is like in terms of 47s, 
like Turbo Tiff is obviously the best in the world. So if you want to be the best in the world, you're pro you got, you have to, not probably, you have to deal with Turbo Tiff. And then, um, and, you know, go to Sheffield, try to make some money, whatever the hell. People are going to start emerging. People are going to start coming and um, it'll get spicy all over again. We'll have new showdowns as well as Heather's not going nowhere. She, you know, she's going to go back to, you know, uh, back to the lab, back to the gym and start being like, we got to make improvements. How do we add here? How do we add there? So there's more work to be done. There's more showdowns to be had before you move up. And then down the road, we'll see because it's, yeah. it's there. It's always nice to have something down the road to keep yourself interested. But holy smokes, 52, if, if Turbo Tiff moved up. Here's another reason why she probably, it would go against moving up. If she moves up, the bottleneck of talent in 52 in France with Shizuka, Noemi, and Tiff, it's almost like there's all of those ladies are world-class, you know, could break the world record total. It's almost like there's a better way to do this for France where we, where yeah. we smooth out the, you know, somebody's got to go somewhere else. Because if you went to a world championships and two of those three ladies aren't going, that would be crazy. That's too yeah. much talent you leave back in France. Can you yeah. imagine just Noemi or just Tiff or just Shizu Shizuka goes and the other two don't go to Worlds because they're all in, they're all 52s? It'd be like, Keska fuck, you know? Yeah. They're, they're, oh, you guys, <laughs> you, you guys got to do this better. Like, don't pick different weight classes just for France's sake because you guys are all world class, some of the best lifters in the world of all time, even. Um, so, yeah. You know what? We, we, we talked about that with, with Tiff and came to the hard conclusion that it's sports and if you make it to the national team it's because you're the strongest if you don't you're not even though like you said having a clash between those three would be honestly almost having world's podium yeah oh yeah you know what i mean for yeah. sure so not for the 52s would be worlds so for sure, this would be really, really uh, hard for the country as a nation and everything. But at the end of the day, like there are some rules in order to make it to the national team. And usually the rule is who wins and who comes in second if we have another spot. And like you said, for now, we have the spot for 252s. But maybe in some months, some years, we, we might. And then it's already not about like a top three. It's about the best. Yeah. So, you know, that, that's, that's what I said to Tiff and I, I told her, you know, if at some point we make that call and we make that decision, it's 100% up to you and percent up to anything else. Whether it be my own will as her coach, we don't care about that. Whether it be what other people think or want to see, we don't care about that. Whether it be like what the head coach wants, we don't care about that because if we make that call, it's because she can't compete 47 anymore. So what, what are we going to do? Like starve her to death in order to compete as a right. 47, even if it's hard. And then she, she doesn't enjoy her life and her life becomes miserable just in order to lift some weights. You know, it's not worth it. So if at some point we see that it's not happening anymore as a 47, which is far, far, far from the case right now, then, you know, there won't be anything else but Chief's personal own decision and nothing else will matter as, as much as that. You know what I mean? It, it's a tough, it's tough, man. 
But it, it, this will be extremely tough for French policy. That's dude, sure. like like watching the, it would be like um like watching French nationals. You know, people get into the like team went before US showed up to world championships in like 2019 and blah blah blah, all the all the previous years. Um, when everyone was on the same federation, the US nationals to get onto that team, to get onto yeah, team USA 100%. was 100%. fucking crazy. Yeah, that's where France is getting. That's what yep. France is getting to get the battle at if if Tiff was to move up, watching the, everybody be watching French nationals and be like, holy shit, can you like you especially on the women's side and the men are right. getting competitive too, but like especially on the women's side, it'd be like, oh my god, I can't miss the battle of the fifty twos for French nationals, not even just worlds. Yeah. I'll watch worlds because it was amazing this year, but you're gonna watch French nationals like I can't miss this. Shizuka, Tiff, Noemi, and God knows who else shows up. Like, like yep. got, man, in a year or two, people are coming out of nowhere, man. Like, it's it's insane what's happening over there. So, yeah, I'd be, I, you couldn't miss it. And you know what? What I will tell you is that um, the thing with Tiff is that, like I told you, I think uh, she has one of the strongest mi mindsets that I've seen. It's not about, like, being cocky, being confident and everything and talking loud. It's about I'm going to kill myself with training. And I have to get stronger. I will have, I will find ways to get stronger. And you know what she does? Like whenever she, something's off with her training, she missed, she misses a weight or anything. She immediately comes to me with the, with the video. We talk about it. And what I know is that when she comes back home, she goes back to review all of her training videos. Always. She's always into that process of understanding the game, understanding herself as an athlete and everything. So I don't think there's a day where Tiff will, for, will fall short because even though um, she did like a 426.5 kg total at Worlds, which is like 20 kilos above the previous world record that has been established in 2015, which is like massive. Yeah. She's not happy with it. Like if, if you ask her right now, are you happy with what you did at Worlds? She'll say no. Could have done better. Like if Heather would have been in a better spot, in a better situation, in a better like shape, maybe this would have been closer and I don't want that. Mm. So I don't see a way or a day where it's will for short on that because she's that, she's that silent worker, man. She's, she's mm -hmm. always into it. And uh, I think that's why she's at that level right now, because from the day she went into the gym, like the first day I saw her training, when I, I saw that she was doing like 60 kilometers of, of, of drive to get to the gym, 60 to go back to her place while having the lockdown regarding COVID and everything, where it was really strict at that time, where she could have been fined a lot of money because she wasn't respecting uh, lockdown. You, you, you snitching you snitch right now, homeboy. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, it, it was you're three years man. ago, so I think, I think we're good now. Oh, well, I hope so. I hope so. They're going to come yeah, for so, her. You know, it, it was, she was coming into the gym to, to bench like, 50 kilos and she was doing all of that. So I was like, it's it's not it's not someone who's powerlifting for fun. It's someone who's powerlifting because it means a lot for them. And that's how you get to Tiff's level of strength. Because powerlifting means a fucking lot to you and you put a lot of work and a lot of effort and a lot of heart. So look what whatever you guys are doing, it's obviously working. So keep pushing in that direction. Like holy smokes. Like Tiff went from a world champion to the best lifter and people get like uh, super proud as they should winning best lifter at like local meets or whatever. 
becoming the best lifter at a world championships, the champion of champion at a world championships is insane. Like to do that, she had to stop Amanda Lawrence, whom was about to three-peat. She was about to become the first lifter to win three best lifter awards. And that's who Turbo Tiff had to raise her hand. And I had some people in the DMs leading into this being like, I think Turbo Tiff is going to do this. And I was like, we'll see. And they're like, nah, well, okay, you're going to see. And it was, it, here we are. And for yourself, Ben, like obviously you've gotten several world champions now, but this will be your first athlete that became best lifter. And um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's at tw- as a junior, as a junior winning best lifter at the world championships in the open. It's fucking, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's but that's crazy. Crazy. she's happy about it. Yeah, well, tell us about it, Tiff. What were you thinking when you found out, oh my God, I'm the best lifter at the world championships. There is eight champions. I am the champion of champions. How crazy is that? <laughs> Je m'y attendais pas, en fait. Je... Je... Je, je m'y attendais pas du tout. Je savais que euh, Amanda Lawrence et euh, Lia seraient là. Bon, Lia, du coup, euh, non. Mais euh, je pensais que euh, bah, j'allais me battre un peu pour euh, la troisième place. Mais au final, euh, genre, c'est vraiment euh, inattendu. Et quand, euh, quand j'ai vu ça, j'étais là. Euh, ah, bah, euh, ouais. <rire> OK. <rire> OK. So, she said that uh, she knew that Lia and uh, Amanda would be here so that it would be hard to like she knew that she she could have top three but she wasn't expecting to win because of amanda and leah and so um yeah so amanda didn't have the best day uh and uh unfortunately leah wasn't able to compete so which which made it easier but yeah uh so she's like when i when i saw that i was best lifter i was like okay that's cool unexpected but pretty cool yeah oh better and cool like for the rest of your life When you look back and people like, how good were you? Multiple time world champion, um, you know, breaking world records and and the champion of champions at the world championships, no less. It's crazy, man. Now you're going to Sheffield. You know that, uh, so we were uh, last week at uh, French Masters Nationals with Tiff. And so they gave us her reward uh, for morals because uh, when it was the time to give the best lifter award, we were already uh, back home in France. So um, her, our uh, vice president of the federation, who's also our speaker, said uh, something that was pretty funny is that, so um, when you're a junior competing as an open, if you hit all of the world records, you can hit 16 of them. So, you know, three world records oh, per yeah, movement, yeah. junior, open, total. Tiff hit 15 out of 16 world record possible. So, so she's got, she's got to go for 16 next time. Exactly. So now we need to, we need to build her uh, a head corner. So in his speech, he goes, he goes, he goes, and Tiff hit 15 to 16. And then he pauses. I, I would have wanted 16. I'm going to be honest uh, with you. Don't, don't joke about it. Don't he, joke about it. That's exactly what he said. Really? Yeah. He said, he's like, he he's said, like we're hoping for 16. It is what it is. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah. He said, uh, I don't know how she let that last one sleep, but, you know, <laughs> we were like, yeah, man. So, so she pretty much hit every world record. Um, so junior, 
and open unless uh, like obviously the world record deadlift that's held by Heather Connor. But yeah, so man, I think I would say it's probably at Worlds, like just at Worlds, it's the best performance all time, I would say. Obviously, I'm extremely biased, uh, but yeah, I would say bit. just because of that, like best lifter, being a junior, competing like for the second time, hitting that number, hitting everything, it's it's the best performance ever. And, you know, again, historically speaking, when you pack it up against what we've seen in the 47 kilo class and who were the previous 47 kilo champions and world record holders, we're talking goats, we're talking Olympic gold medalists, we're talking like, you know, a, this, this, it's a thick lineage. It's not just a nobody's we're talking about. We're talking about like the best of all times. And that's who Heather, or that's who um, Tiffany had to beat to take these world records, to, to win it head to head, as well as take the world records from legends like that, like for sure in a junior, right? So that's the man. And then best lifter on top of all that, what I just said. Yeah, it's gotta be in the debate. You know, like if it's definitely in the discussion. Um, so what, and, and there's more to come, obviously. L let's take another two minute break. I got to go pee again. But, yeah. uh, I want to come back. We have to talk about Leah and we have to talk about the fallout afterwards about like all your, all yourselves, um, you know, how you feel about everything, the Joe, the Joe Jordan post. And if everything's cool now, everyone wants a resolution, what we're going to do moving forward, you know, what's next. We'll talk about silent worker. We'll talk about, you know, we'll move ahead as well. So let's take a two second here and we'll be back. Okay, we back. Are you guys not peeing at all? Like, what is going on here? <laughs> you guys got to drink more water. <laughs> we, we already drink too much water during water cuts. Oh, yeah, so that's probably true, too. We're taking that's, a break. <laughs> you know what? It's true. I remember when you water load for the water cut. Yeah. I remember at the end, I'm like, I don't want to see another fucking ounce of water for like a week, man. I'm good. Yeah. You know, until, of course, you're at the bottom of the being dried. And you're like, oh, my God, I changed my mind. I want some water. Um, yeah. speaking of, wow, that was a really good segue for, let's talk about Leah. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys, I think we, I already told you about the rumor that was floating around at worlds that was, <laughs> people were coming up to me, asking me, and I don't know how the shit this happened, dude. It's crazy. But people were like, bro, did you take Leah Bavwa out for dinner? And you guys had like, I swear to God, they were like, you guys had like an eating contest or some shit or like, and I'm like, why would I do that in the night before weigh-ins? But people were dead ass serious. There, there was like, like, I mean, like half a dozen people were asking me and then other people I brought it up to were like, yeah, I heard that rumor too. Oh man. And then somebody, um, I think Jess, somebody told Jess, it Jess knew because she had seen Leah before. She goes, I knew that rumor was bullshit, but I let it, I let it keep moving because I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? And people were like, oh, I heard the French national team is so pissed because pissed <laughs> at you because it was you who did it. And I was like, what the hell, man? You know, you know that it's actually Jess uh, that talks to me about that. And uh, she, she said exactly what she said. She said, um, yeah, I would assume it's fake, but I, I kind of let, let, let it go. And, and maybe I also talked to, talk to some people about it. So, yeah, I was like, it was, <laughs> she, it's crazy. Maybe, maybe she's, she knows it's fake. She's like, I'm pretty sure it's fake, but she's like, Hey, can you fucking believe it? Ryan? <laughs> she was, she was, Man, she was like, she, she, she's like, 
look at he's my boy but jesus man what was he thinking <laughs> so you know what I mean? i'm like just you have an opportunity to kill this rumor but oh, it was man. so hilarious because i showed up and i had people pulling me aside like can i talk to you a minute like you know and i'm like what are you doing all about? and they like we we walk away from everybody else and i'm like what the fuck are we about to talk about and they're like um is it true, man? Like, what were you thinking, man? And I was like, <laughs> she's got, I'm like, it didn't no, it's, happen, bro. It's like the, the six-pack and Leah, all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet prior oh, to world. Dog, I'm telling you, when I come silent worker, I'm going to fucking work. We're smash. We're going out for an all-you-can-eat sushi. Yeah, and I'm filling her up are. and the bill's on me and we're going to live out this. Okay. You, you, <laughs> you know, we, we are 100% because those are extremely, extremely popular in France. And we have quite some good uh, next to where we live. So don't worry. We are. And we're going to take a picture with you and what Leah other at that buffet. And you're like, round two, baby. <laughs> round two. As if there was a round one. That's right. <laughs> there is, man. That's, right. that's, what I keep, that's what I kept saying in the recap show. I haven't posted it yet. But I'm like, yeah, I'll allude to that. Was it real? Was it fake? We'll mm-hmm. never know. No one will ever know. When I post the pictures, they're like, hang on a second. That doesn't look like Paris. <laughs> looks like some city oh, fuck when were these pictures taken at this restaurant but um you'll have to watermark the dates because then right. you're done man that's right people are like i want proof um but so in, let, let's talk about it it's not you know whatever we'll pass it on the other side of it and one thing i will say i was so fucking happy that I know it was super hard obviously what was happened with leah the weight cut itself missing weight she's traumatized by it obviously it's in front of the world watching and everybody's got something to say about it obviously and it's not great and um she made a post about it and she had to address it but i remember that night i think it was that night i remember messaging you and messaging her and i remember um with her i knew she was gonna get flooded with dms and flooded with just just different things and flooded in the comments hopefully she's not reading comments about all these posts and stuff like that and people have comments and i know when you fumble the ball in anything it's tough but when it happens at the world stage and everybody's anticipated we're talking like it's it's that's super tough and the pressure athletes have um you know it's beyond tough and i the person who told me that she missed weight. The very first person that told me Leah Babwa missed weight was Gaston Parage, the IPF president. <laughs> That's the very first person that told me Leah Babwa missed weight. And like this, I'm talking like this, the re, like just giving a perspective of um, how the pressure athletes have. And like, if something like this happens, you're like, you know what Leah must've been thinking, uh, like how bad she must've felt being like, fuck man like from this is a global body and the president's going to be like it's okay and the sun will rise again and everything will be okay but in that moment how you must feel to be like i have like the president probably like fuck that's that's a tough one that's a tough loss that's that we were really counting on Eurosport the whole nine we were counting on but it's fine it's okay but what you are thinking in the moment you probably go back to your hotel room and you fucking feel this big even though shit happens, you can't, you can't tell yourself shit happens in that moment. You're just like, you know, I can't imagine. So when it actually happened, I remember thinking like, I want to give her support, but I don't want to fucking, she doesn't want to talk about it yet. She's probably getting flooded and I'm not there face to face. So I just shot her a DM 
and just sent her heart emoji. Not talking, not how you doing, because yeah. I know you ain't doing good. And not, I'm not going to put you on the spot. We're going to have a conversation, whatever the shit. Just the heart emoji is, I got you back. Yeah. I got you back. I'm in your corner. Right now, it feels like the world's against you, but whatever. It, and then heart emoji back. And we just, we'll just leave it at that. That's good. Yeah. I'm going to do my job. I'm commentating, whatever. Whatever happened, happened. And whatever she's going through, she's going through. And then when it was all said and done, at the end of the night, when the session's over, a new 63 kilo champ has been crowned and things are starting to settle and reality is setting in. Then we're all out at the casino bar at the Soho and I messaged her and I messaged you. And I knew I wanted to message both. I messaged her and I said, no pressure, but we're downstairs at the casino bar just chilling and you do whatever you want to do. But if you want to come down, it's friends, you're amongst friends. We got you back. You know, it's, it's the inner circle, right? So it's whatever, just get out of your hotel room. Cause I'm sure you beat yourself up enough. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure it's tough. Sometimes you got to get out. And then I messaged you and I said, this is where we're at. And um, if you want to come down and then you, I think you, you said, all right, I'll talk to Leah. Let's, let's come down. And she came down and you came down and you were wearing a mask and everything. Uh, cause you were sick. You didn't know you had COVID yet, but you're about to find out. But, um, then we were all, all of a sudden, it was a hell of a lot better. Like we're laughing, we're telling stories and it is what it is. And it probably, the hardest is breaking the ice with after something like that happens, when you see everybody and you're like, fuck, everyone's going to want to talk about her. Everyone's going to want to. But then we, we ended up just like, the, the, the stress alleviation was amazing. And she was smiling again and we were all laughing. You brought up her commentary. And we were all just doing our damn thing. And it was like, we stayed out relatively late and, um, and we were back on. And it was more about, let's talk about the future. But it was fucking, that was tough, man. That was yeah. tough. You know what? Um, honestly, people don't realize what she went through. So I would say that, yeah, obviously missing weight and not being able to, to claim your, your world title because... Um, 100% respect to all of the other 63 lifters competing. But if Leah just shows up and he just hit, if she hits openers, it's, it's done. So, you know, it's, it's, she, it was her title to take. And the fact is that people don't realize how much she went through, um, like the 16 to 18 hours prior to the, the hour of weighing, because so what happened was I'm finishing, I finished my, my, my day uh, lifting uh, at Worlds and I get a message from my fiance who's like, something's off with Leah's weight. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, she's that much heavier. And I'm like, okay, but that's not normal to be that, that heavy one day out. So did she do something different or, you know, and she's like, I don't know, but the fact of the matter is that we're we're at that weight right now and we need to be at 63 tomorrow so what do we do so went immediately back into the hotel room uh, so there was tiff uh leah my fiance and myself and just just mind you that uh, we arrived i think so my fiance was with leah from maybe seven to no maybe from nine ten ten p.m we arrived with tiff and and uh, probably at 11 something like that and we stayed into that hotel room until 3 a.m 
So from she already had started to cut weight with my fiance. And from the time we arrived with Tiff, she already was cutting weight and she continued to cut weight. So uh, we didn't have any food. So we went to grab some food. Uh, we left 30 minutes and my fiance went back and it was 4 a.m. So they Holy took shit. like two hours of sleep with Leah. They woke up at 6 a.m. and from 6 a.m. to the hour of Wayne, back to water cutting and everything. So she almost did like a 14 to 16 hours cut nonstop. And you do all of that and then you fall short for 300 grams. I think that's even more heartbreaking because it's not as if she missed weight because she, she was at a, at a fucking restaurant the day before and, and she, she didn't manage something properly. She missed weight after giving everything she had. And you know what I said to Leah, I told her, <clears throat> it's it's sad because not a lot of people are going to know about this story but i respect you so much more as an athlete than if you if you were to to go there and beat everybody that by 30 40 kilos right now i think you are one of the bravest athletes that i've seen because you went through hell with just maybe one percent chance to make it you know from the get-go it was 99 percent chance that she was going to miss weight because the margin was just too big and this this was extremely hard to make to make it happen and she almost pulled an all-nighter with my fiance cutting weight for the meat and she knew that she only had one percent chance to make weight and she was like you know what fuck it i'm going through 16 18 hours of hell just to grab that one percent chance to make weight and she ended up not making weight. And uh, like you said, she felt um, extremely bad about it. Like extremely, um, like she felt ashamed. She felt ashamed. And I told her, you know, you would have all of the reasons of the world to feel ashamed if you didn't go throughout the, the process until the very last end, until the very last minute. That's what you did. You went through hell until the last moment, which was possible to make weight. Don't feel ashamed like raise your head and that's that's what happened the night you told us to to meet you she was like you know what there will be a lot of people they will look at me in a way and I'll, I'll be like so you're ashamed of what you did like 16 hours of hell you were ashamed of that yeah you missed weight but it's not as if you you were like yeah that's fine just missed weight chill see you next year mm. you went until the end and i told her you know you, you told me that I inspired you because I went to I went to war being sick and everything being injured and I told her you know what you did is as impressive I would say it's even more impressive because it's absolute hell for 16 hours with the utmost certainty that you might miss weight and it, it kills me that people were like yeah Leah missed weight yeah that's that's not exactly how it went Leah missed weight is the is the conclusion it's not the story the story is that leah fought like 99.9 percent .9 of people wouldn't throughout the whole life to make weight and she just fell this much short of making it happen which would have been the craziest story of all time honestly uh, if anyone's ever done a weight cut you, like like you <laughs> the, i've done some hero cuts like one time i did 16 pounds at one point, I swear to God, you, there are points when you're like, I might end up in the hospital. This is, yeah. this might've been a mistake. Like this was, yeah. 
Like you, people do. It's crazy. Sometimes like when it comes to weight cutting, you feel like hell. You feel like you're dying. It's not, someone's got to try it at some point in their life. Just test this out before you make comments. It's tough. And, and in terms of Leah, if anyone who knows Leah knows Leah, she's got a fucking heart that's like as pure as pure will get. Like she, you know, is a genuine good person. So it's difficult, man, to know that somebody like that is going through something like this, you know, and, and what she must have felt. I'm so happy that she actually came out um, to hang out with all of us. And like, you know, she didn't just be like, because I, I, I don't know, man, it's tough to face things like that. Like, it's tough to like, I don't know what I would have done, man. I might have chilled. Yeah. You guys, you guys in the French team, don't hang, don't fucking cower into a hotel room. I'll tell you that. Like, you guys yeah. are coming out of that hotel room. Like, that's it. I probably would chill in the hotel room. I'd be like, I'm good. The, you, you, that's not how you guys are built. So hats off. Yeah, to we, we, like you said, we, we, go out, we go out on the shield. And to be honest with you, I think um, in some weeks, not now, obviously, because it's too early. Um, but in some weeks, I'm already assuring you that Leah is a different breed right now than she was previously. So what happened with Leah was her first ever appearance at an international competition. She almost bombed out on squat. If I'm not mistaken, she took second at Heroes, which was her first appearance, like the same as, as me, like at Heroes 2018. She took seconds, almost bombed out on squats. From that day, she was like, this is never going to happen to me again. And I'm going to be a different athlete. And she went on being a different athlete. So now when this happened to her, she was like, I'm never going to make this happen to myself again. I'm going to be a different athlete. So I'm telling you, man, people are not ready for Leah 2.0. And it's coming. It's coming. And this, it's, yeah. it's not about, we all take hits. Um, it's not about never taking hits. It's what you do when you take those hits. And let me tell you that Leah is, is the type to bounce back. And when she bounces back, it's, she, she goes way further than she was prior. So I've seen her training prior to Worlds, um, which was, I think, probably as strong as she ever was. So she would have done something crazy. And now, given the fact that this, this also um, raised her spirit, I would say, um, in some weeks from now, she'll be a different breed. Dude, yeah, she she bounces back like a rubber band, man. And, and yeah. in terms of like, she's fearless. Look at man. I was with her in Toronto when she fucking turned into Batman and chased down a purse snatcher. Literally, I don't know. We don't know if she's got weapons or not. Cut through traffic one way and then cut through traffic another way. Downtown Toronto traffic, dog, which is crazy chase this fucking guy down by foot and roll upon him to literally physically take this purse off of him. Like Leah Babel is, is built of stern stuff, man. There ain't no fear in her heart. Her heart doesn't, you know, this is, that's the way she's built. The French team, like you, when you guys back to the wall, you're going to come out swinging. So I have no doubt she's going to come back. Um, so a couple questions with it. A, do we know why the weight cut was so great? Cause it's not like she's a big sick. She's she cuts, but she's not like she's around, I think around 65 kilo ish or maybe a little more, but that's not big. That's not, that is not, uh, unrealistic, unreasonable. Like, it's not like anyone would be like, you got too big in the off season. What the hell? No, 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 no. Like she, that's not how she does it. A. So do we know why? And then B, um, the repercussions, 
if she's going 69 or 63, I have my own personal, you know, thoughts on it. But, and I talked to her in the DMs, but that was in DMs. I'll leave it in DMs. But, um, so yeah, those are my two questions off of that. So uh, for the first question, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. So I, I won't make any hypothesis because I don't want to say something like that's not true. Fair. So I don't know. Um, I, I don't, uh, I, do, I didn't see her weight cut protocol. So, and I didn't see her a lot because, you know, I was sick. I was in my hotel room. So I didn't see what she ate or she drank uh, something else. One of the possible reasons that she gave me was that the water that she was drinking had electrolytes in it and she didn't she didn't uh, like uh, you know realize it so maybe she was drinking water with sodium in it when she wasn't uh, supposed to and maybe that kind of disrupted the whole process besides this um, hypothesis I don't have any other so I don't know fair enough um, regarding the second one um, so, you know, what I told her was, you know, Leah, you're competitive as a 63 or as a 69. So that's that's her, that's 100% up to you. You can just make the call and things will happen, whatever you whatever call you make. And she told me that she wouldn't be happy leaving the 63s on that note. So she told me that she doesn't know yet when, but she plans on competing for sure another time as a 63 and if she has to move up this will be after so not necessarily after in terms of time but if she has to make the call to move up as a 69 100% this will be after one one last meet as a 63 here's what my thoughts are on it too and i talked to her about it um so right now everybody be like just go 69 you could win 69s given your previous totals you have the 69 kilo world record go 69 but here's what I would add to that. It's short-sighted. And here's what I mean by short-sighted. She walks around about 65 kilo. If she's going to be a true 69 kilo athlete, she probably wants to be about 71 kilos and cut two kilos to 69. That's a true 69 kilo athlete. People be like, would counter that saying, but she doesn't have to be a true 69 kilo athlete to win 69 kilo. But that is short-sighted. Because if you actually look at the scope of powerlifting, that's the case now, but that is not going to be the case in the future. Ask Jessica Bittner last year in Sweden when she just ran through the 76s with relative ease, with a massive spread. Look to her left, look to her right, and there's nobody you got to worry about. She could have been, she moved up from 72. She could have still been a 72 and one. As a matter of fact, her total was about half a kilo more than her 72 kilo total. So that's kind of the, a really good comparison. Fast forward one year and Agata Shitsko from Poland emerges out of nowhere, a true 76 who could go as an 84 if she liked. And now Jessica Bittner's pulling the biggest deadlift of all time in the IPF to win. And she's right to the fucking wall with a 20 year old kid who was a teenager three months ago. Look over New Zealand, a lady who missed qualifying for worlds, but will be there next year. She's also totaling in the 850 or 580 kilo range already officially on the platform. And she's going to come. She'll be in the, in the 590, 590s by the time she ends up in the Worlds. And Jess is once again going to have to level up. It doesn't stay like that. It's short-sighted. So when you decide 
you can win 69 or 63. So who the fuck cares? Why might as well go 69 when you decide to go. You're saying that because what you see right now, two years ago, nobody knew who the fuck Turbo Tiff was. A year ago, Heather Connor was like, I'm going to the world championships. And on the podcast, she's like, I can't wait to see who comes in second because I know I'm coming in first. That was Sweden's world. One year later, holy fuck, Turbo Tiff is the greatest 47 we've ever seen in life. And she's beating Olympic She's Nobody can even wrap their heads around it. This is what I'm saying where it's like, when you make these decisions, are you making the decision on what you see right now? Like, well, you can win 69s only as a 65 and you're not a true 69 kilo lifter. You know a real 69 kilo lifter who's 71 kilos in cuts and is a phenom is coming around that corner at some point. So before you make the move and you can't turn back, taking off weight is harder than putting on. Before you make that decision, all I'm saying, and I'm not saying don't go 69. All I'm saying is it's got to be with the perspective. Like the longer you've been in the sport, and I feel like an old man now, but like you've seen it enough times, patterns emerge where you're like, this is going to happen. Somebody is going to come out of nowhere with no warning. And they're going to be, they could be 10 kilo bigger than you. And you're just as talented as them, but they're 10 kilo bigger. There's a reason why there's weight classes and it'll happen. Even Leah Bavla, it can happen to anybody. And that's the only reason where I'm like, you go 69, I'm in, you do your thing. Cause you could probably win right now, but right now, is it next year or the next year? And you gotta be sure that you can't go back. You can't go back, but it's tough, man. It's tough. That's all. hundred percent. hundred percent agree with you. I think, uh, some of the other lifters, like the older generation, got, got caught sleeping, I would say, and didn't see what you're saying right now, that the sport is growing extremely fast. And you have, like, not talking about phenoms, but strong athletes, and not only strong athletes, but also athletes who have been competing for some years that get stronger, you know what I mean? So, because the bar is getting pushed and they're, they're getting stronger also. So I would 100% agree with you on that. But what I would say to that, to counter your argument which is a really good one is that we're talking about leah sure so if one person can make it happen in the world i would say it's her just remember when 500 was a gold status total as a 63 leah could total 560 as a 63 yeah so she would put 60 kilos on the total that was gold status total so i would say that i i I would agree with you for 99 percent of lifters and I would say Leah is that 1% where I might disagree. I think that if you have that caliber of athlete like Tiff, like Leah or whatever, who's competing as a 69, as a true 69, like you said, yeah, for sure, this would be a tough one. But I think this would be still close. And if Leah decides to make the move to bulk and not compete as a 69, as a 65 or 66, but maybe seven, eight, I, I don't see no one coming in close for now, like you said. We'll see. It's tough. Like, um, look at me. I think I got confidence in Leah too. Believe yeah. me. Believe me. But um, yeah, like like the person that comes around the corner that's an, a real 69 doesn't have yeah. to be as talented as Leah. They can be less talented, but the size will cover the gap. So pound for pound, Leah might be better than them. But they just have to, like, they can win just by 0.5 kilo 
You know what I mean? And it's like, look at if we were the same size, you'd kick the shit out of me. But I am like five to six kilos heavier than you in body. I'm half a weight class higher. So it depends. Like, because there's a turbo, there's a turbo tiff, like not everywhere, but there's turbo tiffs out there. You know, some, some fucking kickboxer, some wrestler, some (laughs) Olympic wrestler from Bulgaria is like, I'm done Olympic wrestling, but I am strong as fuck. And all of a sudden, ah, shit, this Bulgarian came out of nowhere, but you're right. Like this is also in sports. What makes it so like, oh my God, can this person win? Can Leah Babwa at 67 kilo, you know, cause she probably isn't going to fill out 69 kilo um, or not lay it right away. Anyways, can she, and, and there'll be a, a maximum of how much you could fill out as well. Like yeah, I know, sure, like, cause, cause she's, how old is Leah right now? Uh, she's one year older than me, which makes her probably 28 and turning 29. So she's, she's probably getting close to where, where she is. She's going to be in terms of muscle mass added on. She'll probably yeah. chill around there. You know, you'll have gains, but the gains will slow. Like Turbo Tiff is that age. She could put on muscle mass, put them on. When Turbo Tiff is 29, the weight class she's in is probably the weight class she'll be in. There'll be slow gains after that. Strength, yeah. strength, yes. Muscle mass, you don't gain. You don't have total bo- natural athletes. You won't have major body changes. So she'll probably be somewhere in there and it was exciting as shit because you have the david versus goliath moments where right now she's walking in with like you know 505 one of the 63s she's hit a 550 um we seen her basically hit a 560 and lock out that last deadlift and it just came out of her hands and that was as close to getting a deadlift as you've ever seen in your life without getting a deadlift some people watching the stream thought she got it and and uh and they didn't actually know she didn't get it she could basically do 560 as a 63 that's a 55 kilo gap but if she moves to 69 maybe we'll have a david and goliath moment where now it's something really special where a big strong athletic 69 kilo lifter comes around the corner and it's like holy shit if leah baval wins this you know this is going to be the thing of legend this is going to be thing like sugar ray leonard in boxing did it he'd move up a weight class fight somebody who has a 15 pounds on them. It's like, Oh my God, man, what are you doing? You went too many weight classes up. You won all the lighter weight classes. You you're overreaching now and you're about to get humbled. And he fucking, that's what makes him. He wins. And it's like, Holy shit. You're special Floyd Mayweather, whatever. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So maybe like, you're right. This is the, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe someone too big comes or maybe she does history. And we're going to talk about Leah Babel for here on out and be like how special she is. We'll see. We'll see, man. I mean, you never freaking end. Even though it's super hard going back down, people have gone back down to weight classes in one, a weight class below. People have gone back down. They've gone up and they've gone back down. So even though we talk about when you go up, you never go back. Yeah, you can. It's tough, but you can. If you, you know, things have happened. It's all happened before. If not in powerlifting and other sports with weight classes, we've seen it all. I've seen it all, homeboy. Like I've been, you know, so I'm a believer. I'm a, I'm a believer. Um, Let's talk about, because we're getting close and I have another podcast scheduled, so we got to get to this. Um, dude, when we so, talk, holy fuck, Penna, when we talk, we talk, huh? Yeah, man. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a podcast, you know, it's, we, we just rumble and, and the thing is going on, you know? <laughs> I think you go, we just ramble and the thing is going on. That's a good, <laughs> but, but it's, thing is, it's, we stay on point though. Our discussions are, we don't drift and we're talking all of a sudden about video games. Like we're, we're actually yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like it is good. Dog, sometimes it's easy. Um, so that's why I love having you on. It's like, what are we going to talk about? We got 
fucking a lot to talk about. We always do. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, man, we till I, we till I come to Paris, kid. We're gonna be ripping it up. And this uh, this will be crazy. Like honestly, you know, you know. Yesterday I was thinking about it because you know we're um, finalizing some stuff uh, organization wise and everything. I was like, Ryan is coming in five days, man. It's uh, crazy. Yeah, 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 man. And you were asking me, you were like, um, do you want to be yeah, yeah. in your own hotel room that's in the heart of? of Paris yeah. so you could actually venture around to tourist around because it's Paris man I've never been to Paris and you're like you want to do that that'd be awesome because I think like in terms of your own impactfulness of going to a city as famous with history like I am so into traveling and so into history Paris is both a famous city with historical like you know and you're like dude you're into that shit if you want that I can put you right downtown and you just walk out your hotel room there's museums there's all that or do you want to be out of the way with the lifters though, but you walk out of your hotel room and you're in the thick of it with all the lifters. I'm like, put me in with the lifters, playboy, because that's why we're here, right? Well, I will have to visit Paris. Like I'll take in Paris when I can, or if it's another time, but I'm here. This is the experience, man, for both of us, for the lifters and for me. Let me be in the middle of it. And um, so here we are, man. We're, we're going to- You know, I, I, was, I was so happy with your answer. Because, you know, I think you could have chose to be like in the city because, you know, you're here for a couple of days, like three, four days. And uh, it's good to be like in the center of everything and be able, you know, if you want to go downstairs to grab a beer and to, to visit something. And, you know, it's it's cool and, and it's chilling and you're doing all of this travel to be commenting at our, um, our event. And but I was like, you know what, because my girlfriend was about to book the um, the, the the Airbnb in the city immediately and I told her you know what wait a little because Ryan might be wanting to be staying with the athletes so let me ask him first and we see what he prefers and she's like okay cool let's go so I dm'd you and I'm pretty happy I did because you know we assume that yeah maybe he just wants to chill and be in a nice Airbnb in the center of the city and enjoy have fun and just the fact that she told me you know what man put me with the lifters and I, I want to leave that experience I want to enjoy that I was like, man, that's Ryan. That's Dude, that's that's the voice of Farley team. Because because this is like, this is why I'm coming, right? And it's more than just um, it's more than just a commentary on the stream. I realize when I show up, people who who listen to the podcasts and stuff want to talk about like some of the podcasters. They want to talk about things, and they or like and they know. Um, you know, the longer I do this and I've been doing this for, for quite some time now, they know, like I was there for hack Gibbs and they know I was there for like all of these different experiences. So they kind of like, you're their bridge in history now in the sport. And you've been, I've been doing the podcast for all that time as well. And they like, so when you're there, you got to realize when people approach you, they want to be like, you're the dude first off who was there and it's cool to meet you, but also like, they want to ask you about things. Like that's all part of it. Like if I'm, if someone's bringing me in for commentary, I tell myself they're bringing me in for media as well. First off, I'll help hype events through King of Lifts, et cetera. But also I'm, I am helping out even when I'm around in the venue in between or back at the hotel or whatever the shit I can offer that as well. Like, you know what I mean? Like the guy who's been around and done all those things, like let be accessible, just be available is what it is. Yeah. Be available, man. Let people meet you, talk to you, ask you about stories and, and your opinion on like, what do you think of this coming up or whatever? Like just be available, man, for these people. It means something for them. Anyways, they're going to be like, that was cool. You know, I got to talk to them about it. Um, so I'm like, nah, man, 
we got to it's on 24 7 the free the, the stream stops i'm still going man oh, and we man. already know i'm not gonna sleep I, I like that i like that and we all know we're not getting a lot of sleep on that weekend but you know that's that's the kind of experience we want to live man that's it man we sleep when we're dead man we talk yeah. sleep for an eternity when i'm dead yeah 100%. <laughs> but um all right let's talk about so with the joe jordan situation leading in you guys yeah. you you had, you've been vocal on the podcast and you're like this rubbed me the wrong way. Afterwards, he had made a post. He didn't have the, the competition he wanted. And this is what experience brings sometimes. And I remember telling you like, now let's see how you feel about it afterwards. Because um, when he was on the podcast, he was actually like different than in his posts and whatnot. Everyone's different than what they are in their posts, right? When you meet them. Um, and I was like, I think he's a good guy. We'll see what happens, you know? And um, the, the competition comes, goes. And he was very supportive of yourself. And, and took inspiration from like everything that you were going through. And then your day, he took inspiration from it himself was like, fuck, man, like it was difficult not to obviously, right? Because um, we're all human. So it helps. And then he made a post essentially saying like, I think it kind of got away from me a little bit. And, um, and I was here in the, the pre shows and everything. I think I, I think I started, you know, maybe feeling myself a little too much. And I got humbled a little bit there. And um, and he was a little down. I could tell by his, his energy afterwards. I think he actually got COVID as well, by the way, because he got oh, sick he? anyways. I know he got sick. Oh. I don't know if he got COVID, but he was afterwards, he stuck around and helped handle a bunch of athletes. And he was super duper low energy. I'm like, you all right? And he's like, fuck, man. I I, he's like, A, I haven't slept, which is common for all of us. And B, he's like, I think I got sick, but I don't know. He's like, I took a COVID test. I don't think the thing is COVID tests, you, you're negative initially. And then later on, it becomes positive, which doesn't help out. But um, so I, I don't know if he ended, it ended up being COVID, but I know he got sick at some point because he was like, I'm not going to shake hands or nothing. And I don't even know if I'm going to continue showing up to help out, even though he feels bad not to. But how did all that rest off? Are you guys like, I don't know if like, uh, cause I know obviously you ended up getting COVID. So I don't know if you ended up being able to actually talk out or did, how, how did it all rest? Is there a conclusion to all this? So, uh, <laughs> so when, when I did the podcast right after I hit him a, a DM to tell him that I, I talked to about him, about him on the podcast, because for me, you know, that's, that's something that you do when you talk about someone uh, in, in a certain way, you, you tell them so that they know and, you know, they're, they're not surprised when they hear the podcast. Right. So I DM'd him and I was like, you know what, man, um, I didn't DM you first because um, I think that's, that's none of my business. Uh, you handle this yourself the way you want to handle yourself and I handle myself the way I want to. But I got robbed the wrong way. I, got, I felt some disrespect. I, I felt disrespected by some of your posts. I made a podcast with King of the Lifts, mentioned that. So just just that we're cool. Uh, that's that's what I said. And so, you know, I was expecting an answer. I was like, you know, I, I was up front with the guy. I told him what happened and I was expecting an answer and left me on red. Well, he probably like, didn't know what you said first. In his defense, he's probably like, okay, cool. But how far? <laughs> he's probably like, yeah, like then, let me then, hear it first. Let me hear it first. Yeah, before, yeah, that, before, it. before he's like, no worries. Then he hears it and he's like, oh shit, man. <laughs> you know, so yeah, but he left me on red throughout the whole time. Oh, gotcha. Like, not for a couple of days. Uh, like until after the comp, he left me on red on that message. Okay. So, you know, I was like, okay, Playboy, that's how you want to play. Cool by me. You know, I was like, cool by me. 
And so what happened was when he was doing posts, so before uh, the event, when he was doing posts, he was writing disrespectful. And so this was actually towards me. Ah, okay. See what, I, what I'm saying? Because I told him that I felt disrespected. And so uh, before the competition, when he was making posts with his squad or whatever, he, he was writing like capital letters, disrespectful. And so I was like, okay, so not only didn't you like don't answer my message, but also you you want to like quote unquote make fun of me because of that. So I was like, okay, then we're we're done. You know, that's that's for me. That's pretty much it. So um, I didn't see him. I, I saw him once, and it, it was the day that I actually got sick. So when I started feeling feeling a little off, so uh, was walking to the to the venue. I think this was probably a day before you arrived, uh, was walking to the venue, like we crossed ways. And you know, although we we said what we had said and everything, you just say hi to the, to the, to the individual, you know, that's just common sense. And when I, when I went to fist bump him, I knew that because there was a time where, you know, he had to acknowledge my fist bump and, my, and then fist bump, I was like, he wasn't about to say hi to me. Oh yeah, yeah. So, you don't want to leave yourself hanging. Yes. Yeah, so, so he was. He wasn't. He was about to not say hi to me. So I was. I was even rubbed the wronger way again because I was like, not only didn't do that, but just saying hi, you're not. You're not capable of saying hi. So you know. Anyways, uh, we do the the competition. We do the meets. We don't talk. Uh, so I obviously didn't say hi to him because of that and everything, and he did the same. And then um, I think probably the night of or the next day, I can't remember, I get a DM from him and I'm like, okay, so what does he want? So I, I opened the DM and like his post, he was really upfront about everything. And he was like, you know, I acted the wrong way and, um, you know, uh, I, I didn't take your message the right way and everything. And, you know, he had a lot of, a lot of uh, nice words towards me. And I think um, you, you have to be, you have to be full in everything. So if you hate someone, you have to fully hate someone. And if if someone's showing you that, you know, maybe they regret a little bit how they acted or how they behaved with you, you have to be full and I think accept it. So I don't think we'll ever be good buddies in a, a day, but we kind of squashed it in the DMs and uh, the fact that he was so upfront about it. I was like, if I'm, if I'm like, yeah, cool, man, don't want to talk to you. I'm kind of a douche, so I, I like to think of myself not being a douche. So I was like, okay, let's let's squash it. I don't think we'll ever be friends or good buddies, but you know, I I don't have to hate the guy, and he probably doesn't have to hate me either. So yeah, that's that's pretty much where we are at right now. Well, this is like I told you because I know you guys from um, like I had him on the podcast, and he's a good. He's actually he's a nice guy. He's a good guy. Obviously, you already know how I feel about you. So I see it from a. a a third person where I'm like, I think they're both good people, but you're in a pressure cooker situation where you're competing against each other. And, um, you know, the, all the hype building and you, you have to have confidence in each other. But if one guy has confidence, the other guy's also extremely confident, but there can be overlap in terms of the confidence, what you say. And then it's, it's just different for anyone listening. You know, they might not get it. They might be like, well, why would Penna be offended by this? Nine times out of 10, you're not going to have a problem with Penna in terms of like, is he going to be touchy about if I say something? No. 
because you're not in a pressure cooker situation where you're both going for, there's only room for one at the top. And it's not, it's difficult for people to wrap their heads around. Like it's just different, man. Everything I already, we were talking about how turbo tiff in terms of the showdown, how you feel when you actually see the other person for the first time. And like the reason, the whole community across the world has put you guys against each other. And you're not human. It's difficult to just turn it off and not have feelings attached. And the pressure with like your nation, your family, your friends, everything also on your back. And then the entire world, the community throughout from one end of the globe to the other, everyone in the community has put you against each other and you're on podcasts and the whole nine, like it is abnormal. So it won't be like any other relationship, you and someone else, people won't be able to relate. And I pull myself back and I'm like, I know both these dudes and this, this has happened a bunch of times. And I know they're both good dudes. And they're both like, neither one is going to try to harm each other. Like wants the other to do feel bad or whatever the shit. They just both want the same thing. And they're going to clash personality wise, like not just on the platform, but personality wise, the whole nine. And neither guy is a bad guy. And neither guy do you hold or judge or whatever. And then this is what I was telling you also previously on the podcast. I was like, you know, in 10 years from now, you might not feel the same way and you might bump into each other. And all of this isn't so far in the past that it's like, you'll be, you'll be met with kids married in the whole nine and be like, fuck, man, this was, that was wild. And you won't, you'll remember what it was like, the pressure and the whole nine. And when you finally, we see each other for the first time in real life, it's like, oh, there he is. And the whole, that'll be so far in the past. When I think about 10 years back, you know, like when I think about Hack Gibbs now, it feels like ancient history. Um, it's, it's wild, man. It's just, it's so different. You, and I'm glad you guys like, yeah, you don't have to be best friends because you're going to clash again. You got the next worlds, the next worlds after that, God knows. Right. And maybe keeping that edge, like you are who you are for a reason. Like you're the same dude who will get emotionally driven to, despite the fact you're injured and all the shit going on in your life and you catch COVID to hit the platform and drain yourself for that third squat and scrap it out. That dude is the same dude who you, if you want to strip the emotions with it, he's not that same guy. We talked about the last podcast. Be careful when you're throwing out the worst of you. You're also throwing out the best of you. Like if you change one thing, you change it all. You can't be, you can't be both. You can't be the chill, calm, everything rolls off my back. I take no offense. No, that's why he's the fighter who's going to come out that fucking hotel room, no matter how he feels. That's why he's going to leave it on the, he's going to go out on his shield. You either come back with the win or you go out on your shield, but you don't fucking run from it. That is why he's that guy. You yeah, can't have both sometimes. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, in, in a way, I think that this just means that although maybe, you know, we're, like you said, we're, uh, we have the same energy, like we're good dudes and everything. Uh, but maybe there are some things about his personalities that don't match with things of my personalities. And I think that's okay. You know, we like, for instance, with Eddie, uh, like Eddie Berglund, we don't have that. Like when, when we see each other, we like, we talk, we, we, we laugh, we have fun. And, you know, I, I saw him before, worlds before the competition, like the day off. And he was like, you know, wishing you the best. And I was like, yeah, wishing you the best too, man. And when he won, I was like, you know, I'm really happy that you won because um, you worked extremely hard for it. And, and the first thing he answered me was, you know, even though I won today, we're still two and one uh, in your favor because I had beat him at Worlds 2021 and Euros 2021. 
And he was like, you know, now it's my first time, but then at Euros, we'll settle it, you know. And it's it's still like competitive, but the way he's, he expresses it is extremely like, I don't I don't want to say harmless, but you know what I mean? It's Swedish it's, I, is what it is. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that he's Swedish, like you said. So, you know, I, I, it's, it's different. And maybe, you know, um, maybe in, in another situation, in another scenario, maybe uh, Joe and I could, could get along very well, but it's just more so that the things he said rubbed me the wrong way and the way he responded to it rubbed me even worse. And, you know, we, we talked about it. And um, like I told you, I think I, I told him, you know, I, I would be dumb. I would be a douche to, to not acknowledge the fact that you're um, being really upfront about, about a lot of things. So, you know, fine by me. And uh, he was like the same with you. So, yeah, I, I would say, but, but I agree with you. I think we'll have a lot of uh, competitive clashes uh, to come. And if at some point um, we, we have to have that same type of energy going on, uh, you know, maybe that's how it's supposed to be. And it is maybe what it is. this will be a rivalry. You know what I mean? Maybe, probably even. It is what and, it is, man. Yeah, yeah, you guys might always have a little friction until you ain't retired yet. Maybe yeah, when you're retired, everything you know goes whatever you're so far beyond it but it is what it is in terms of eddie when he said we're gonna settle it because you you won two and i won one we'll settle at euros you should have been like well playboy to my math that's two and two and we would still be not (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah be settled but so what what happened was my first ever competition at, at euros in 2018 it's actually eddie that won oh okay got you so he probably doesn't remember that because uh I think he totaled like 660 something and it was probably close to 620, 30. So I was like way, way, way below. So maybe in his book, this doesn't count. But Or, or you shouldn't bring it up. Just be like, as a matter of fact, edit this out of the podcast. And let's just leave it at two and one. Yeah, Ryan. No, honestly, this will be cool because this will settle it, actually. So this will either be a 3-2 three, two, three, two or 2-3. Two, so. Fair enough. Yeah, but it makes the next one more interesting. Um, yeah. The thing is, I... Uh, when I was talking to him, he was saying he might move up to 74. So uh, this is right after Worlds. Maybe he's going to wait a little longer. Maybe he's like, fuck it, I'll wait till after Euros and then go 74. But I don't think he's going to be, like maybe by next Worlds, he might be, or after Sheffield. Maybe he's, he's like, look at this year, Euros, Sheffield, 66, obviously. But I think he's going to be 74 relatively quickly. So he's probably hoping I can get a win over Pennant and, and, and get the upper, upper hand on that rivalry. Go to Sheffield, maybe extend, make some money, then I'm out of here. But I, I know his 74, whatever his plans are, those are probably his plans, right? Makes sense time-wise, but he's not, I don't think he's staying 66 too much longer. So whatever you guys got to do. He got bigger. He got bigger. Like yeah. when I saw him at, at, at Worlds, I was like, yeah, he, he definitely got bigger, like in terms of, of size, that's for sure. But honestly, you know, I, I don't know. And I, I don't want to say I don't care because I would like to have that revelry again going on. But you know, it's, uh, I compete mostly for myself. You know, I I don't compete to put other people down. I compete in order to express myself and and see what I can do. So if there's a rivalry with Eddie, that's a rivalry with Eddie. If it's with Joe, that's with Joe. If it's whoever, you know, I really don't care about that. Uh, Whoever will be that next guy to be close or to have that, that, that closest total or whatever, this, this will be fine by me. But, no matter what, I will have hopefully um, 
a chance to redeem myself because um, I will do the Arnold and I will be competing as a 66 at the Arnold. So um, my goal will be to actually beat uh, Eddie's total uh, from Worlds, which is like 7.10. So maybe we'll have a rivalry that's not, not direct, you know, obviously, which which is less less impactful for sure. But uh, yeah, that's that's my next goal for sure. It'll set, set up Euros. It'll yeah. set up Euros nicely. Yeah, it will. And also um, in the USAPL, Morgan, uh, yeah. 67 and a half. I, th he yeah. could, I think he could still make 66 and I think he might be coming over. We'll see what he ends up doing, but he might. And then if he does, and it'll just be, new. there's always new people popping up yeah, in powerlifting, which is good. So there'll be yeah. some, we'll see what 2023, what it brings us. Um, yeah. But listen, I gotta, I gotta get, I actually have another podcast coming on like Anna Horo, who the 83, who pulled 385 yeah. kilo, 847 pounds, locked it out and missed it at the lockout because he couldn't hold it. So it started coming out of his one side. He's up next. And everybody I have on is like, holy fuck. I have on like Bob Matthews from USAPL. And he's and I'm like, what's the craziest lift you've ever seen? He's like, probably in Haros, period. It was a mislift. Yeah. And that's probably the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. We were we were joking about it uh, because when uh, Delaney missed his last deadlift, we were making some, you know, some uh, calculations. And we're like, what would he, the guy need in order to, to win? And we're like, yeah, 385. And then we look at the board, change attempt, 385. Yeah. We're like, no way, man. <laughs> he's pulling 385. And we were crazy. Like all of us from Team Friends were there actually because uh, I think we had an athlete competing. So we were all there and we saw that happen. And we were, we were like, man, I was cheering for the guy, you know, uh, it's crazy. And yeah. It's it's I would say it's probably also my my favorite lift from from Worlds that's for sure. It, Bob Matthew said that's probably my favorite lift of all time. <laughs> all time I don't know, but well, the from thing Worlds, is, yeah, because it was to win the Worlds too. It wasn't just like anything, and he actually got. I, I'm as the commentator, I'm like, this is you know this is just loading up. You're gonna tug on it a little bit and then wave to the crowd. Well, I had to try, and the fact that he could have pulled for silver. Cause he's in bronze and he's like, no, we're pulling for gold. Yeah. And they're like, crazy. the Americans, the Americans told Delaney, he's not going to pull for gold. He's going to pull for silver. Cause for him to pull for gold, he literally has to pull the earth. There's it's too much. He, they, yeah. Delaney said, they told me he's literally got to pull the earth. And Delaney looks and he's like 385, 847 pounds. Yeah. That is pulling the fucking earth. No, nah, he's going to pull for silver. He's not going for gold. And then when these saw, but the thing is, the lady's like in the back of his mind, he's like, I don't know, there's something fucking crazy about this guy that I don't know. And the change of temp went in, and Delaney's like, fuck. And he was like, Delaney's watching. He's like, this is ridiculous. And it came off the ground and he locked yeah. it out. Yeah. It was, it was real. It was, close. It was, yeah, real. It was close. real. It was actually like he locked it out. He just yeah. at lockout started coming off the left side and then it yeah. came out of his hands or the right side, whatever. And it came out of his hands, but he had it up. And, and it, I remember as a commentator, I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, what yeah. is happening right now? This, yeah. is, this is insane. And this was like 50 kilos above the previous world record deadlift. Oh, it's so, 50 kilos. It's so much. It, this is like, this is like Chance would be like, fuck, yeah. he's going to deadlift me. And Chance yeah. is a deadlift demon. And, you know, and Chance is like, this guy, this kid's going to out deadlift me. If he locks us out, like holy shit, it's crazy. Yeah, man, this was this was the craziest sleep from Worlds. 
for sure. If he puts on like some kilos on his bench in his squat, yeah, and, and he actually locks out that deadlift, all he has to do is lock it out next time. All he, and he, if he puts on, so his deadlift can stay. If he puts on some kilos on squat and bench, what are we talking about here? It's crazy. Yeah, and honestly, he, I think he, he improved significantly on squats because if I'm not mistaken, he squatted 600, like yes. um, 272.5, yes. which is like way more than what he, that, where he squatted like at last Worlds. So like you said, um, if he just improves like 10, 20 kilos on his bench and locks out maybe not 385, but 380 or something, man, we're talking 8, 820 total, which is like close to Russ, Sean, well, we're Angelo. There. We're right there. Dude, he, um, if his, he's benched more, he's benched like 10 kilo more. He just needs his bench to go back to what it was and then a little more. He, he's a junior. He can add yeah. weight. He's junior. He's not capped out. He's not even close to capped out on strength. He's a kid. He's still a junior. So he's going to be him doing 850s. Yes, he can. He'll be end up doing 850 at some point. That's totally reasonable to say. He's still a fucking junior. But anyways, that's who's waiting for me. I got a. I got a freaking. I got a rock and roll here. We just talked and talked and blah blah blah, man. We got. We we'll save it for Paris, man. I'm going to see you guys soon, man. so I appreciate you guys coming on. I appreciate you guys like being honest. Tiff was talking English at me. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate Tiff's getting bolder and bolder. And um, yeah, man, I'll, I'll see you guys like later this week, which is crazy. Yeah, to man. Say, but I'll see you guys Can't soon. Can't wait. All right. Until next time, stay safe and I'll see you in a few days. Bye-bye. Six up. We're out. <laughs>